everyone, and welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Aubrey Lovelace. And I'm Danielle. And I'm Mark Tweedell. Whoa! Hey, Mark is back! Whoa. Yeah, Hello. second week in a row. Thank you so much, Mark. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Hang on a se- hang on a minute, John. We're getting unconfirmed reports that Mark Tweedell's in the area. Mark, can you confirm these reports <laughs> for us? Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm definitely here. Uh, back-to-back weeks, that's a rare thing. I like how yeah. I put my hand up to my ear. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. I like how you did that. The listeners couldn't see that. No, though. but I did that anyway. But you did do that. The, the listeners I, yeah. know that she did that. They can. It they adds can. to the drama of it. It's like how people say that you can Am tell I? when someone's smiling over the phone. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Mark, for Hellboy Book Club this week. Um, we have a lot to talk about. A lot, yes. <laughs> Let's go right into our shouts outs. Shouts Shouts out. Yes, I have a couple things I want to shout out. If you use Comixology, I know Comixology isn't great, but if you do use it, all the Dark Horse titles are 50% off right now. I would actually like to point out, it's not just Comixology, it's Dark Horse books pretty much everywhere. Uh, Dark Horse Digital is a great place to pick them up. Oh, Oh, there you go. Dark Horse Digital as well. So yes, um, check out Dark Horse Digital. All the digital comics are 50% off, so I'm definitely like going to catch up on some stuff. No, yeah, um, and considering that, that their digital ones are normally 50% of the price of the physical, it's like, you know, down to 25, really. It's like super easy to catch up on all those omnibuses at the moment. I need to get that Kashi in hell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. So this is a good time to catch up on stuff and support the creators. I also want to shout out Skeleton Crew. Skeleton Crew. Ah, are they? Yeah, yeah. Are they book club members? Yeah, yeah they're, they're oh. very nice members. to us. They are. Um, I don't know if you remember a that's while nice. back, they sent me a little Hellboy I get the, with the No, pancakes. we get the, yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's right. They sent me one of those. And, Book um, club members. Yes, and I always uh, <laughs> like to support their stuff because it's officially licensed Hellboy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I recently got the field agent badge. I had to get one of those. I oh, saw yeah, that, I yeah. Know. I need to get so, one of those. Yeah, it was yeah. really cool. Uh, it came out. It's it's really nice. It's a well-made product. We were talking about, like, uh, Ryan Ewell was like, which one are you going to get? Are you going to get the field director? Nobody the... wants to be field director. Well, I was like, uh, well, I know Jerry got it. Jerry, Jerry should be field director. Did Jerry Turnbull get that? Well, that is true. Well, uh, He'd but, be the only good one. But Jerry had a good point in when Liz shows her badge, it's gold. It is gold. So he's mm. like, this is the more accurate to the comic version. But I was like, ah, no, you're the, <laughs> but you should he's have it. He's the guy, you, yeah. You're the guy that should yeah, have it. Absolutely. If anyone else should have one, it should be you, Mark. You should have the other field director one. <laughs> you should, <laughs> you, uh, you have the, you have the other field director one. That's too much paperwork, role, right? I feel. That would no, be No, no, I much... feel like I would be deep into the paperwork. I would be Professor okay. O'Donnell or <laughs> Professor O'Donnell's assistant. Then you're the guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Then you're the guy. That's the guy. Awesome. Yeah, so uh, anyway, they always make great stuff, so definitely check them out. I'll link it in the show notes. I also had a shout-out for Ross Radke. Ross Radke. Book Club member. Yes. We talked about it a little bit on Book Club members last week, but if or a couple weeks ago, but if you missed it, I got this amazing commission from Ross of Lobster Johnson. Oh, so good. Um, so I got it for good. you. I got it for you, Danielle. For me. Yeah. Um, I love it with, so much, Ross. Thank with, you with so you much. With you in mind. Um, <laughs> Thank you, John. It kind of harkens to one of our favorite moments so ah. far in the Hellboy series with the lobster. I have that page. We have the page. Because you got it for me. Uh, yes. Uh, we have the Tanchi Zanyich page from Kaput Mortem. So good. Where he, uh, all he has is the luggage rack to beat these guys with. So, so good, though. So that's what he uses. He's going to take this luggage rack and he's going to beat your ass to <laughs> death with it. <laughs> Yeah, so 
Anyway, Ross Radke, uh, always like to shout him out. Um, he does an amazing job. Check him out. Check out his art. It's check out so his comics. Good. Oh, yes. Um, he definitely. makes so many cool comics. So they're Cannot awesome. wait to frame this. I'm so excited. I got to say, there is, no, there is nothing like the confelicity of someone else getting art and you just feeling great. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I got to get the, the Hellboy he did for me framed. Oh, that one is so awesome. Yeah, yeah that's a great one. Mm. Benny Decker, book club member, said, as usual, Ross killed it. Yeah. Oh, there yeah. you go. Well, yeah, sure. I also wanted to shout out Matt Strackbine, the letter hack. Matt Strackbine. Yeah, book club member. Absolutely. <laughs> um, we, this is a, another thing we talked about briefly on book club members, but it more pertains to this because last month was our fit five year anniversary episode. Yeah. And uh, oh. so Matt did a comic for that. That was so awesome. I, I was all giddy when he sent it to us. Yeah. Oh, so sweet. Oh, I thought uh, the five year anniversary was end of this month, like around the 27th or so. Oh, okay. Well then there you go. But he, well, he put the comic out to celebrate that, Very to thoughtful. celebrate the five years. <laughs> yeah. So um, that it was really awesome, great. Yes. He also followed it up with these other comics that he did after the con. This is another thing we talked about because he went to Heroes Con with some other book club members. They had a little <laughs> Hellboy book club meetup there. They met Mark Laszlo. They met Jesse Lonergan and Cullen Bunn, and they were telling every or Matt was telling everybody that he knew Mark Tweedo, <laughs> and, <laughs> and then, uh, he was trying to spread that rumor so around. And then then he wrote an apology comic for that. And then Mark said you. You a tongue-in-cheek were, apology. Yes, yeah, yeah. and yeah. Mark, you said you were more like a Professor O'Donnell, yeah. so then he did well, another well, he comic on that. He drew me as uh, Frankenstein, which, you know, that is extremely <laughs> flattering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, man. but you said you were more of a Professor O'Donnell type, right? right? So then yeah. he had and to follow I, up As with a flippant comic. comment, and then he went off and drew another comic with so me good. as a Professor so O'Donnell. <laughs> and he even included your uh, the Nimue that uh, Ross did for you guys. Yes. I know. Wow! I saw that. I caught that. <laughs> Those little he put, he put my uh, framing job on it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Down to the, the framing frame. job. Yeah, he that's the amazing. Frame in there. Yeah. No, it's really good. And, um, Just so much awesome. I like how, like, you know, like every time he shows us in the book club, we're always like in nice couches and it's like a, a gothic looking room. And then, like, right outside the door is like that sterile office with Mark right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's so yeah. funny. Yeah. We have like an office building and then in one of the rooms it's just like a fucking gothic castle. <laughs> he did capture so my funny. hair very accurately. That's pretty good. Yeah, oh, that yeah, is true. Yeah. That is true. Like, yeah. That seriously, is a great job. if you saw a picture yeah. of me yesterday, like the mad hair, I, I don't know. <laughs> it starts off fine and throughout the day it just gradually rises. <laughs> <laughs> like a like a sourdough starter <laughs> yeah and sometimes it does a tin tin thing sometimes it does an astro boy mm-hmm. thing it's all over the place awesome but uh yeah thank you so much matt those comics are just they're just a delight super, it's so nice to that he's cute and that sweet. he does all this stuff for us so it's really great makes um, our day every time yes the last shout out here something that i wanted to talk about with you mark was last the, shout out oh <laughs> we've got so much more to talk about we really do <laughs> uh, but the graphic audio uh, series, yes. right? Ooh. Graphic audio. So you want to explain this a little bit, Mark? So uh, graphic audio um, made a deal with Dark Horse to do a bunch of their comics as audio dramas. Uh, they did the Harrow County ones a while back that we were talking about on the other channel. Yes. Mm-hmm. And now they're doing Hellboy. Now the Hellboy ones are going to be written by Christopher Golden. 
there's going to be three of them. They form a trilogy where there's like um, all different series, but there's an interrelated element across nice. them. So it's a loose trilogy. Uh, they spin right out of Hellboy in Love. So when you get to Hellboy in Love, you read that. You go into these this trilogy of audio dramas. A new character will be introduced in the audio dramas, and then that character will pop up in the comics later. Oh, nice. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. It's going to yeah. be so much fun. Yeah, I'm really excited for that. Um, we'll yeah. definitely have to do some episodes about that or talk about it, maybe as it's ongoing. Well, maybe I mean, we yeah. can line that up, yeah. I'm excited about it being a full cast recording with sound effects and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's another thing that we didn't mention. It's not just an audio book. It's like a whole... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah it's, drama, an, it's a proper audio, audio drama. drama. Yeah. I've listened to the first two Sandman, and those things are great. Nice. Mm. You know, full cast, sound effects, everything. It's just... Yeah, so I'm really excited yeah, about this Hellboy. Yeah, music works. Nice. So Scott McCormick is uh, the director of these, and he's also the voice of Hellboy. Um, nice. Yeah. Nice. I reckon it'd be great to talk to him sometime, because he's awesome. I reckon that as well. Oh, let's do that. Yeah. We'll I second definitely... your reckon. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we can like line that the... up with um, with their release. Mm. Well, the first um, audio book actually comes out on Tuesday. So same day this comes out. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's it. awesome. Yeah. So check that out. Yeah. Man, we're going to come back yeah. and talk about that. All right. Anything else? Sorry, there was one other thing. Uh, there's the four gathered together on Christmas Eve. Oh, right. That was just announced today. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? So there's a book coming for Christmas uh, from Eric Powell, Mike Mignola, Becky Cloonan, and James Harron. Uh, it's an oh man, I love all those people of four Christmas stories from these guys, and it's going to be great. Wow! Just like um, awesome. Are, so, are they doing the art as well? Is this going to be like Mignola art? So uh, Mignola's um, writing and drawing his. Uh, Becky Clunan's writing and drawing hers. Uh, James Harron is writing a story, and um, Eric Powell is illustrating, and Eric Powell's also doing his own as well. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. That's going to be great. I'm really excited for that. It really, really is. It looks fantastic already, and I'm so excited for it. Excellent. And uh, what is it called again? Four Gathered on Christmas Eve. Nice. Nice. Very cool. Thanks for sharing that, Mark. Excellent. And now we're going to go on to our listener feedback. Listener feedback. You read a story. We talk about it. You hate them guys us. And it's a book club. Get out. What you got in the old feedback today, John? We heard from Alex Kopech. Alex Kopech. Book club member. Yes. Alex said, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Hellboy video games. This is something we haven't really talked about too much. We uh, but, have. There's, but there's a new one coming out. We have, we've only we have talked, talked about this. We've talked about it in the broadest sense that I couldn't even like get into the first part we of the game. We talked about it. I remember we talked about he it. He said, I, pick, I recently picked up a copy of Hellboy The Science of Evil. I've yet to complete it, but I am through most of it. So far, I've enjoyed it for what it is. I really like hearing Ron Perlman as Hellboy, and I'll take that whenever I can get it. Easter eggs like... The Alien are a fun addition. I like the music, which is very reminiscent of the first movie. The combat is the thing that kind of makes it a drag. Um, I also played Hellboy Dogs of the Night on PC. I didn't even know about that one. Wow. <laughs> and a PS1 port. Unfortunately, the port is awful. It leaves a bunch of things out that was in the original version, so stay clear of that if you can. However, I recommend the PC version if you get your hands on it. It's hard to come by, but there's a few on eBay. I had a lot of fun with it. It has some pretty dated graphics and tank controls, but what 
Oh, no, tank controls. But what really sets the atmosphere <laughs> is the music is awesome. It always stuck in my head. The game is a survival horror with puzzles and some combat. Every so often you hear a boom when you kill an enemy. Uh-huh. It reminds me of older Resident Evil games, so maybe you'd enjoy it, John. The, those okay. older ones do yeah. have the tank controls, yeah. right? Yeah. Funny enough, I've always described a perfect Hellboy game to be like the newer Resident Evil remakes mixed with some of the new God of War combat. <laughs> I would love that. I would love a Hellboy game in the vein of the Resident Evil games. They could just totally that rip that great. off. Yeah. Man. Oh my yeah. God, that would be incredible. I wouldn't mind that at all. Uh, he says, I have one last recommendation more for the future. There's a game on PS4 and PS5 called Dreams, and you can make games within it. You might have heard of someone making an Avatar The Last Airbender game on there. Well, a guy named Armand Sultan is making a Hellboy game on there, and it looks terrific so far. Right. He streams a lot of his progress on YouTube, and it's really cool to see what he has accomplished so far. His brother Ahmed helps with the concept designs. And I help tie in stuff from the BPRD comics, which is a little bit of an ego boost to me when my fiance compared me to Mark Tweedo. <laughs> we have awesome. Mark on the <laughs> That's awesome. I highly recommend checking that out. Apologies for the long one, Alex. No, we love it, Alex. We love it. Um, we love I it. love that rundown of all the games, too. Uh, I, no one's ever talked to me about these older ones, Dogs of the Night or whatever. I didn't know about this thing. So I guess Dreams is a game where you just... You can just make... Have you heard of this? I have never heard of it, but I don't have a PS4 or 5. Right. Okay. That's interesting. We also heard from David Kroll. David Kroll. Book Club Book Club Mm Mim. Yes. (laughs) He said, hi, Hellboy Book Club is fun. Since getting a copy of Hellboy the board game, I've been playing the case files, painting miniatures, and rereading the comics. At some point, I tried your podcast and enjoyed it. Nice. I started from the beginning, and I look forward to catching up. At the risk of mansplaining, uh, maybe you didn't know this and you will find it interesting. In the Iron Shoes, uh, they mentioned the vampire cat of Kyoto, amongst other things, is likely referring to the giant rat of Sumatra. Mansplaining is a very specific thing. I think you're just hanging out talking about comics with your friends. It's It's fine. fine. It's It's fine to talk about things you're excited about. So we talked a little bit about this uh, giant rat of Sumatra. In The Adventures of the Sussex Vampire, Sherlock Holmes alludes to a different case the world is not ready for called The Giant Rat of Sumatra. So Arthur Kernan Doyle, through the narrator of Dr. Watson and the voice of Holmes, is referring to a case that does not exist. Presumably this adds color and background and maybe encourages curiosity in the fans. Mignola is doing the same thing and paying homage to Conan Doyle, too. Okay. The giant rat of Sumatra. I didn't know that. Fun. I didn't know that that was... I uh, did not know that. That's, that's pretty awesome. Cool. Yeah. One of the great things about all this is that there's fan fiction that has been created all over the years about the giant rat of Sumatra. With Hellboy the board game, I have found and enjoyed some fan content for that, too. Cheers. So I oh, guess they nice. have a, they've made a mission, probably. Oh. You know, for the giant rat of That's Sumatra, fun. or fans have made one. I actually saw something today by Mantic Games that they're releasing more, you know, for the role playing game and stuff. Oh, yeah, like they're releasing little... some modules. Yeah. yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's cool. cool. There's a Hellboy fan called Zach Davison. Um, and yeah, he has a book on the supernatural cats of Japan. Oh, okay. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> he um, has been like wanting the, that vampire cat mention. He keeps on bringing it up, like, oh, I need that story, you know, like... Yes, the vampire cat of Kyoto, right? When are they going to do that? Exactly. (laughs) But that's another one of those things. It's just like a little thing that... He's doing the same thing that Conan Doyle did, too, right? Mm -hmm. That's fun. We also got some Hellboy movie hype. Hellboy movie hype. Yeah, so I posted... (laughs) Thanks, Aubrey, for that. uh, You know, uh, a while back I posted... I just posted Hellboy movie hype and I posted all the characters uh-huh. side by side with who they're playing and got all geeked out about it. 
And, you know, people for the most part seemed excited about it. Tara Hex said, I really want that first look. Michael Snowden said, really looking forward to it, but I would have liked to have seen Hopper again. Um, but I think like, and then there was a thread about that, but I think people were saying like, well, then people would think it's a sequel. And they yeah, wouldn't, huh. and they wouldn't accept it as a reboot. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, they kind of yeah. had to recast, and then who knows if he wants to come back to it. You know, what David I mean? Harbour got that movie, and that's you know is what it is, depending on how you see that. Yeah, I guess. Honestly, so. I don't think they can afford Harbour anymore. Right. Probably. He's busy. He's, He's doing books. Marvel He's stuff, doing now, stuff. Right? now. I thought this was an interesting discussion. There were two opposing opinions on this, right? Okay. So we heard from Renee Mendez. He said, "Renee Mendez, book club member." Yeah. Yes, he said. Uh, uh, they really run for the likeness. I'm loving what I'm hearing so far. I do hope they make Hellboy CGI this time, like they do in the MCU. Nope. I what? think I think he no. means like the face. No, like the no. Face would be CGI. Nobody hopes that or wishes that. And then that's uh, the only time I've ever heard anyone say that. And then, the, well, then we also heard from Walter One Three on Instagram. He said, I really hope they go for a full prosthetic jaw yeah, on many other things. Oh, yeah. Always better. If they gave yeah. me the big Mignola jaw, I would be so happy. I, I was wondering what, what you guys think about. I mean, they're probably okay, just going to do makeup, less right? Less CG in general yeah. in okay, movies. Well, I, I have no problem with them making Hellboy CGI, but I just don't think they have the money right. for it to look yeah. good. Yeah. So I would rather them go prosthetics because that would look better. Yeah. Now, I mean, yeah. if they had Marvel money maybe i right. feel like even if prosthetics and practical effects cost more you should still do them. yeah yeah you should still do them uh, i think um with horror it's such a tactile genre that like yeah. if you have a character who's like like you could have there's two ways it could go that i see it like either being like too stiff in in order to try and be realistic and looking bad because of that okay. or having that like just too much motion going on and then like just being a distraction like it's really really hard when a character is very close to looking human but not quite human to right. make them look like a part of their world without spending massive amounts of money i mean i even had problem with they did it with Thanos, but i think film. they spent like a shit ton of money oh on yeah yeah also yeah. pay cg animators what they're worth yeah whenever they had a scene in avatar where they had a human character acting opposite a blue alien i was like the motion doesn't match. It it's, really it's very, very good, and there's a lot of money in it, and you can see that it's it's, but yeah. it wasn't there yet. Like they did a much better job in the sequel, but I mean, like even then, when it cuts to a human, I'm like, uh, Hellboy's not going to have that kind of money, you know? Like seriously, I, I don't know if they can afford it either, but I I like kind of what they do with the vision. Like mm. most of it is a practical is effect, practical, but right. then there's yeah. you can see that there's little parts, there's little where details, they, yeah, that they paint out or that they yeah. add. And, and it, but and those I, are not like crucial yeah. to the anatomy exactly of, i, I yeah, think like that character i think if they do use cg that is the way they they should go yeah they you should, know yeah. no they cg should. tails none of that mm, that's gonna look bad bad cg should only be used to augment hellboy uh-huh in right. a, uh, the yeah. practical parts of hellboy yeah like maybe give him some like glowing eyes or some shit like that or stuff know. where well, you you've seen where the wild things are i have not seen that Yes, yeah. I have seen that, yeah. Okay, so that's, like, they full-on had puppets and did, yeah. you know, like, the full costumes and everything. And awesome. then they did extremely subtle CG stuff just that's to great. add, like, to bring it to life in a way. And it's super invisible. They sure, sure, sure. Really yeah. alive. That's yeah. great. I think, like you said, where it's used to augment the practical yeah. stuff is fine. And to me, great. because it's got that tactile quality, like, yeah. that's, like, what I'm looking for in my horror. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Well, yeah. in anything, really. But, I mean... Yeah. Pay your digital animators what they're worth. Pay them mm. 
with you know livable wages and also we writers that this off yeah, topic like how to support is this the writer strike that's insane it's not it's horrible anyway yeah. that was a good discussion though i yeah. liked that we have some interview feedback oh all of our interviews okay um, that we've done i'm catching up on a lot of the feedback here. all right um we kind of this is industrial up. sized feedback yes it is mm. um i had to haul in some different feedback we all <laughs> we all get our own Hey, I love feedback, sir. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> Delicious oats. So regarding our Oming interview, we heard from Ross Radke. Ross Radke. Book club member. Yes. He said, I completely agree with Oming that Hellboy is incredibly difficult to draw because the temptation to imitate Mignola is so strong, mm. but then it creates a Roger Rabbit effect <laughs> if the other characters remain in the artist's usual style. For some mm-hmm. reason, I don't have the same problem with Abe though his transformed form is much trickier than his original. I think Omin probably makes it work easier because his style has more similarities to Mignola, whereas someone like Adam Hughes, there's a huge chasm to cross to translate the design. Sure. Some artists mm-hmm. are able to absolutely nail a take that is fully their own while still being faithful to Mignola. Duncan Fregredo and Mark Laszlo, for example. Every artist we've spoken to is also so incredibly humble Yeah, that they yeah, would yeah. never talk themselves up. So it's one of those things where, sure, yeah, yeah. you know, they are, they are so grounded and humble that everyone else around them has to be like, are you out of your mind? This is great. You know, yeah. but they would, they're always their biggest critic, which is why they're always yeah. improving yeah. and growing and, and getting, you know, more and more out of their own craft, which is, you know, well, you love to see it. I, I think another thing too is, they're all very appreciative of Mignola. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. So they, across the so, board. They, so they see themselves in that shadow. Yeah, and I think that they just is, want to really want to do a good job. They're so like, it's oh like, man, I'm on a Mignola book. So whatever that artist thing where you're very humble, and then that plus, yeah, you're like doing something for Mignola. I think is they like, put so much yeah, pressure on themselves, yeah. and it's just all the yeah. fans are like, oh, they love it just as much as we do. Kind um, of a thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, one of the things I find um, interesting about the character is like he has. He's got a face that's close to human, but not quite. And so Mm. for me, I find the key to making him look Hellboyish is to nail the ratios. So it's like you can draw Hellboy in your own style, but you have to make sure that the distance between the bottom of his nose to where his mouth is, is longer than a human's. You have to make sure that that his nose is shorter than a human's nose. You have to make sure that he's got higher cheekbones, things like that. Like as long as you get the ratios right, you can really do stuff with his own style. And of course you have to get those you know, the bullet-shaped uh, silhouette where it's slumped shadows. If you don't have yes. that, right. yeah. it's yeah. not Hellboy. That's a good point. <laughs> I love the bullet-shaped silhouette. That's really good, Mark. The uh, jaw is a is a really... Yeah. yeah. The yeah. jaw is a big deal. I, like, yeah. What does Mignola call it? A shovel-shaped jaw? <laughs> <laughs> Thank um, you for those insights. Yeah, Very so good. That's awesome. I love that. So I was looking at Mignola. It's everywhere all around me while you were talking about that. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. We also heard from Christopher Egan. Christopher Egan. Book club member. So one thing that was cool about the Omen interview is we had some sea shanty talk. Mm. Yes. Yes, which is a long-running bit on our show. Christopher said, Omen perfectly expressed the best way to hear a sea shanty. It's got to be raw. Mm. I hate when it sounds like a glee club populated by middle-aged men. Yeah, no, it's got to (laughs) be... And uh, Hayden Orr responded. Hayden Orr. Book club member. Yeah, yes. That's right. Uh, he mentioned a movie called on Amazon called Blow the Man Down. He said the opening credits are set to actual sailors and fishermen singing the actual shanty with no backing vocals yeah. or music or anything. That sounds awesome. Right on. That's I also cool. love a, I also love a small thriller. That's what he called it. So maybe okay. check that out. Blow mm. the Man Down from 2019. Have you seen that? 
I have not. Okay. Neither have I. I. I remember the lighthouse had some great shanty moments. I still haven't seen that. Oh, I need to see that. Yeah, I need to see that. That that's one that I need to see while I'm I'm enjoying some off time right that's now. That's one so. to to watch on your own for sure. Yes, that's what I. That's I've... a watching on your own. Yeah. Thing. We had some feedback on our interview with Adam Hughes. Adam, Adam Hughes. Hughes, very gracious artist yes. who came on our show <laughs> months ago. Book club member and book club friend. We got some feedback book from book club guests. Yes, thank you. <laughs> We heard from Ben Stenbeck. Ben Stenbeck. Wow. Really? Book club member? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. I, I, I literally, sorry, had a like total blank moment of Ben Stenbeck. <laughs> Book club member. <laughs> I know that guy. We, uh, <laughs> he said, am I understanding this right? Is he saying that he redrew some stuff from Witchfinder? Because if he has, I definitely want to see that. Witchfinder. Witchfinder. Um, and, and Mark, I was trying to find this on Twitter. Didn't you reach out to Adam Hughes to clarify this or something? Did he ever wow. respond to that? Oh, I can't remember this. Uh, sorry, it vaguely rings a bell, but I haven't been on Twitter in such a long time. Yeah, I remember like you, I, I don't know if he responded, but you, I, I think you tried to like. He might also not be doing yeah. Twitter or something. Yeah, yeah. that's another so, thing too, I right? Not blame anybody. Never know, yeah. yeah. That's a whole other That's a whole, that's thing. A whole other we podcast anyway. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's right? Fun. Because he did talk about that he wanted to draw some stuff from Witchfinder. Yeah. Or something like that. Right? I mean, I, I wasn't in the impression that he said that he did it uh, on it for his own his own private collection or yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah, he alluded to something I, like that. I feel like he was saying something where it was like, um, uh, he didn't want to step on Ben Stenbeck's toes or something. And then Ben Stenbeck was like, yes, do it, do it. Yes, please, I want to mm-hmm. see it. I yeah, that, so. But I can't remember the details. I'm probably putting words into people's mouths. And, if Adam would have shared any of that, we would have definitely seen it. So, yeah. yeah. We also heard from Ryan Yule. Ryan Yule. Book club member. A lot of heavy hitters today. All your favorites, All your favorites are, back. are back. He said, what a great fun interview. And he shared a Pauline Raskin concept piece that Adam did. He said, I didn't realize she was wearing cowboy boots in the story until he mentioned it. You can Aww. see it more on that concept piece. Nice. But he did talk about all his like backstory for the character that he created and all that stuff. It I thought really that cool. backstory was great. Yeah. We also heard from Ross Radke. Ross Radke. Book club member. Mm-hmm. He said, um, I want to see that Siren comic. Remember he mentioned that? Oh, yeah. He wanted to do this Siren. He had this idea. I feel like artists like Adam Hughes, who earn their bread and butter drawing sexy ladies, often have their overall technical drawing skill and storytelling craft fairly overlooked. It was great hearing him share the amount of thought he put into the background details and characters. Maybe by people who don't aren't familiar with his work. Right. And maybe just like see it in passing. Well, I mean, it was just... uh, it was nice getting the insight on yeah. him. Yeah, you know, he does yeah. put a lot of thought into this. Absolutely. He looked up the historical fiction stuff of the Krampusnacht and put those little details in there. And yeah, that's amazing. We got another one from Christopher Egan. Christopher Egan. <laughs> Back <laughs> again. Yeah, another one. that's right. He said, uh, such a great interview, damn guys. I was finally able to get to it today. Having my back go out and doing the stay-at-home dad thing has been hellish this oh, week. Geez. This was a top-tier mood booster. Aw. Man, having your back out, that sucks. Yeah. That's like the worst ever. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Hopefully, yeah. you're feeling that was a couple weeks ago. We hope so, that hopefully, you're feeling you're better. Feeling better now, but I'm glad you enjoyed the interview. We got a lot of uh, feedback from you, Mark. Oh, oh, oh yeah. What did I say this time? You said, <laughs> what did you say? Let me see. All right. Mark Tweedell. Book club uh, member. Guy, I guess. Mark, Mark Tweedell said, I imagine the X-Files and the Hellboy universe would be very different, given that the BPRD is a publicly known paranormal investigative body. Scully would have fewer reasons to be a skeptic, so I imagine she'd be a believer in the paranormal things that have been verified or could be related to verified things. Okay, I feel like this is a perfect opportunity, though, 
for to drive Mulder absolutely fucking crazy because (laughs) to have him be like, Scully, what if I'm fucking telling you a secret government body that investigates this shit and I'm being kept in the fucking basement? This is fucking my whole, this is my whole fucking career. You guys are just fucking gaslighting me all this time. And Scully's just rolling her eyes and she's like, he's just some guy in a costume. What are you? Uh. She doesn't believe. She's like, Mulder, if the, if, if the U.S. government had a, something like this, we would know about it. And he's like, going crazy you can see he's about yeah. to fucking lose it every second of that episode would be so yeah. good i would love that i think that would be amazing this is actually incredibly uh relevant to the book we're about to read we're going to talk oh. more about this dynamic later yes, okay yes. yes we'll talk about awesome. this i do have a note about that i just think it would fit so perfectly because it would be like poor Mulder would just feel so gaslit and scully would just be rolling her eyes the whole time like it, it I would don't know. just push the comedy that much further she'd be like yeah. prove it and he'd be like i can't Here's a here's a badge. She'd be like, he could have made that anywhere, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. It would be, I don't know. It would just, I, I would love that. Mark Tweedle goes on to say, <laughs> oh, okay. So Mark Tweedle is basically writing uh, a script here for Mulder and Scully. Okay. And Scully's saying, Mulder, there's never been a recorded case of a mummy soul infesting someone. Mulder says, I don't know. I heard this one time the lobster bumped into something like that in the 30s. For the last time, the lobster isn't real. <laughs> Mulder would be a huge lobster fan. Yeah, for sure. Totally. You for heard sure. of the lobster too? They would bond over He would that, hold up they? his his like issues of of, oh, yeah. of the lobster he and would they'd have, be like, all the, loose. He would have one of those cards behind his back. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So good. Mark Tweedle goes on to say, oh my god, hearing how much Adam Hughes loves Witchfinder, I need him to draw a Sir Edward and Sarah Jewell one shot now. We all need that. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh, what a great idea. That. What a great because we've been saying that we need like Sarah Jewell. Yeah. Ah, oh, amazing. That'd be, be so cool. good. Mark Tudor also said, "I love that Adam Hughes reminds us that Duncan Fergredo is a patron saint of Hellboy." It's so true. He did say mm-hmm. that. Absolutely. Um, I really liked how he talked about. I mean, first of all, he admitted that he was like, ah, at first I was like, anything that Vignola's not drawn, I'm not going to read that. He's like, Mignola's <laughs> the only one that, 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 that's it. And then he was like, and then he came back around and read some, and he was like, oh my God, I've been missing out on all this stuff. He came yeah. around. What, a, what an incredible yeah. journey. And yeah. so hopefully maybe some people who listened to that went on a similar journey. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That was a great story, I think, that he told. Mark Tweedle also said, hashtag wide hell boy. Wide hell boy. B-O-I. <laughs> B-O-I. There you go. Love it. Yes. Very good. Awesome. Excellent. Excellent chef's kiss feedback <laughs> content. Yeah. I'm going to continue. Sure, go ahead. On. Last episode, our discussion of Silver Lantern Club. Okay, we had some feedback on that. Aubrey, do you want to do that like a TV announcer? On our last episode of the Silver Lantern Club. <laughs> So good. Hey, Nor says. Hey, Nor. Book club member. That's right. Yes. Oh, wow. That's so crazy that Aubrey coincidentally reread the first Dark Tower book at the same time that I started listening to the audiobook, which will count as a reread for me. (laughs) For me. Yes. Totally Um, weird, not related coincidence at all. Totally not weird. (laughs) I'm on the third book now. (laughs) Anyways. Yad Tovich should absolutely get a miniseries where he just drinks and hunts werewolves. Yeah. That would be great. I'd read the crap out of that. Yes. <laughs> well, mm. Hayden Moore goes on to say, I'd read the hell out of that. Oh, synchronicity. Yeah. Also, I love that you guys brought up uh, Peter Stump. His story has always been interesting to me, and I've always thought he would be an intriguing historical figure to use in a horror story. Think Vlad the Impaler, but for werewolves. Yes, that's exactly what mm, it was. Okay. Yeah, we did talk about that. You missed that discussion, but it was very. But you're probably happy that you missed that discussion. Okay. It was very 
gory. Mm. The Beast of Jevyadan gets used as a major historical werewolf plenty. It's time for a more wolfman type of historical fiction type of dude to pop up in stuff. Nice. All right. Thank you. Turn this back over. We also heard from Drew Campbell. Mm. Drew Campbell. Book club member. You yes. know it. Yeah. You know it. He said, I thought the cameo at the start of issue five was Chris Robertson. Okay. So uh, I said it was Christopher Golden. Now, Christopher Golden and Chris Robertson look kind of similar. Sure. They're both older white dudes with beards. Right. <laughs> with <gray laughs> I'm beards. sure that they would agree with that. But Drew's probably right because Chris Robertson co wrote that. And I think I might have accidentally said Christopher Golden sure. on the podcast. So if I did say that, whom's amongst us is not accidentally. There's said a lot of Christophers Christopher going Golden. on on this oh, podcast. That's so, right. There's a lot of Christophers. Anyway, I'm to sure. Be fair. Uh, I'm sure. Mark, do you have this issue? I do. I not like not not necessarily uh, with them specifically, but just I constantly say the wrong name and don't even notice. But anyway, yes. My yes. grandmother calls me like four different names before she gets to mine, so I think it's fine. Yeah. We also heard from Jerry Turnbull. Jerry Turnbull. Book club member and right. bureau leader. Yeah. Field director. Yeah, field, field director, director, Jerry Turnbull. Yes. Uh, this scene reminds me of American Werewolf in London, where David wakes up in the wolf enclosure after his first night of carnivorous lunar activity. Oh, we didn't talk wow. about that at the very end. Yeah. yeah, they find the guy, the werewolf guy in the in the zoo. And we didn't even mention that. But yeah, I'm sure that that's an exact uh, homage. That's an homage. That. Yeah. that felt like a very direct one, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Jerry. Jerry's always got keen eyes spotting yeah. things that, yeah, I, I always love his insights. Jerry also says, what do you say? I'm not going to convert anyone about the Hobbit films, but it's only <laughs> one book and should be one film argument doesn't hold any water. <laughs> the book takes place over a year and goes from the Shire to the Trolls, Rivendell, Goblin Town, Gollum's Cave, get chased by wargs, saved by eagles, spent time with Bjorn, travel through Mirkwood, get captured by the spiders, imprisoned by Thandril, end up in Lake Town, meet Smog, and then there's a honking big fight with five armies, and then on the way home, there are more hardships and adventures, and the true ending of the book happens around another six or seven years later when Gandalf and Balin return. I know! I don't think any director could make a decent film out of all of that in just one movie. Does it need to be three? That's my question. Yeah. Does well, it need to be three? <laughs> or is this, there's something we're both missing. Should this have been a limited uh, series? Oh, so there was like a, a whole, high okay. quality oh. series I didn't wanna, on HBO I, or whatever they're calling it. I, I didn't want to include the whole thread because it would have taken forever, but there was like 19 more replies from. I believe it. From, uh, <laughs> I believe it. This is a polarizing topic. Hayden Orr, Christopher, Gold, uh, Christopher Golden. See, I was going to say Christopher Golden. Was <laughs> it Christopher Golden? It was Christopher. Christopher Egan. Christopher Egan. Um, they also replied in there and talked to Jerry about the Hobbit and how that. Sure. But but again, I think and I a lot know, of that shit doesn't. I don't even know if you mentioned this, there. but I don't know if you mentioned this, but Guillermo del Toro was supposed to do it. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah we did talk about that. A two yeah. movie yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe that would have been the right spot. But somebody in the thread did say it should have been limited the Amazon. series. It should have been the that Amazon. should have been the thing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Anyway. who knows? I mean, I I don't go back and watch those movies but i will say i'm glad they exist because that made the music exist and i listen to the music a lot okay oh, like, yeah. all right oh i just listen to it when i'm working all day like smaug's theme especially is just so good Smaug. is that um did they get howard shore for those movies as well yeah nice yeah he and we do stuff. have that footage of benedict cumberbatch slithering around like a big gray worm <laughs> that is that is love. wonderful which I is comedy that. gold but for me i don't know like i i love the book 
so yeah. much. That's that's just that's my jam. I, I have an annotated version, and that's what I want. I just it's want great. No, I that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I love it. I love that book. I love all of those books. I fucking have read the Silmarillion. I can't even tell you how many fucking times. So, <laughs> I swear I've read the flies and spiders chapter uh, like more times than anything. Uh, yeah, I really really love that chapter. Yeah, we have another audio clip. Ooh, audio clip. Yeah. So this would be the prequel. Oh yes, to the one that we had last week. You're right. You're right. This is Robert Noonham. Ooh, Robert Noonham, book club member and and voice actor. Let's hear it. Hey, you damn guys. This is Robert Noonham. You've mentioned before that sometimes people send you voice recordings, so I thought I'd do that. I've been gradually working my way through the previous episodes, and it's been fun, since I don't know anyone else who reads Hellboy. And the same goes for the Baltimore episodes on the other podcast. Incidentally, if you plan to read through the entire Outerverse, I can't tell you why, but I'd recommend not reading Lady Baltimore and Tales from the Outerverse until after you've finished Joe Gollum. For reasons. <laughs> There's also a short story called Joe Gollum and the Copper Girl that's easy to miss if you don't know about it. Anyway, drunk Edward Grey was hilarious. So was the running joke with him and the Heliopic Brotherhood, who he finally gets his revenge on over a century later when Hellboy wipes out the Osiris Club. The rest of the Silver Lantern Club don't share his history with them, so it makes sense that they'd find his obsession a bit exhausting. It's nice that he has friends now. He definitely needed that, after spending two-thirds of Witchfinder gradually getting more and more miserable. Not that you can blame him, he's been through a lot. lot. And in about twenty years, things are going to get much worse for him, so he needs to enjoy this while he can. So, the Enchanted Wolf Pelts. Sorry if I'm pointing out the obvious here, but I think Simon was implying that they got them from Gustav Strobel. I love that part in City of the Dead where Sir Edward takes a jab at Strobel and calls him a garden-variety necromancer. It's in that same story that the Heliopic Brotherhood kidnap him and take him to the same lair they find in issue 5 of this series. That was in 1882, uh. and I'm guessing at least a decade has passed since then. I don't know. It doesn't give us dates, but I assume this series has to take place at some point in the 1890s. Really looking forward to the British Paranormal Society. I don't have it yet. Hopefully I will by the time you do the episode. A couple more things. First, sorry to bring this up. But you might have been confusing Shakti, the bad Vril, with Shakti, the Jedi Master. Also, if you can get hold of a copy of last month's Weird Tales, it includes a Hellboy story by Mike Mignola and Christopher Golden. That's issue 367. I did get that copy. And lastly, this isn't really Hellboy related so much as it is to do with comics generally. But if you're not averse to digital format, then I'd just like to say check humblebundle.com regularly. It's incredibly useful. They do comic bundles sometimes, and that's how I got most of my image comics. Right, I'm going to go now. It's seven in the morning. Hope I didn't bore you. Looking forward to next month. Oh, and by the way, don't worry if you get my last name wrong. Almost everyone does. We want to get it right, though. Robert <laughs> Noonan. Yeah. That was awesome. Thank that you. That was fantastic. Yeah. Oh, Love man. I feel those. like my ears have just drunk a, a really nice coffee. Yeah. yeah. Oh yes. Yes. Something really <laughs> relaxing and good. Yeah, that was a great way to describe that, Mark. Very, very good. Thank you for sending that. Please send more. Yeah. Excellent yes. stuff. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, and thank you for pointing out exactly where we had seen that layer from remember we were trying to figure mm -hmm. that out yes mm -hmm. um and i was also trying to figure out when that took place there are no years on silver lantern club i was no, also thinking not. like 
Yeah. What What do you think, Mark? Is it eighteen nineties or whatever? I would say eighteen nineties, just because the one story that's referenced, I think that was like eighteen ninety one or eighteen ninety. It's It's that uh, story with the where they have the frozen wasteland i can't remember its name now oh right uh, that was the christmas story yeah the great winter or something um and you know so that's already happened prior to one of the silver lantern tales so okay i'm assuming i don't know i, I figure they're all just jumping all over the place in like a 10-year period right right. right 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 yeah lastly we heard uh we got another one from christopher egan Another one from Christopher Egan. Yeah. Still a book club member. Still yeah. a book club member. He's got a gem here. We were talking about um, uh, what would happen if we fed all of our episodes into an AI no. machine or Boom. whatever. Oh. <laughs> Hatred. He said the episode title would be Hell Beans on the Pronunciation Lobster. Great. There you go. <laughs> I think that's pretty good. See, but we don't even need an AI. I'll we just we just have Christopher Egan do it every for us. AI. <laughs> no, I swear if if that was allowed to happen, you'd press play and it would summon demons. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only correct it's use it's a very yeah. bad idea okay. we should prevent it from ever happening yeah so. now it's called what do you see what do you say <laughs> right. go ahead i rewatched for the billionth time glenn gary glenn ross love oh. that movie. Love alan so arkin much. yes alan rest arkin. in peace r.i.p alan Man, arkin he's great and i, I saw it's little... one of my favorite movies of all time yeah glenn it's gary. incredible don't don't have you seen that movie mark it's a wonderful comfort movie oh uh, no i haven't there's way oh. too many movies i haven't seen yeah. It's a play. They turned it into a movie. It's fantastic. Yeah, it. I, it's, it's one really of my good. favorite movies. Alan yeah, Arkin. it's one of my favorite movies of all time. And so Alan good. Arkin is so great in that it's movie. Great. Anyway, go ahead. Boots. Yes. <laughs> uh, I also watched Little Miss Sunshine. Hadn't. That's a fucking great. Yeah, that fucking was also incredible a good movie. cast. Oh yeah, that's a great movie. Really yeah, yeah. good. I'm yeah. so late to this. Everyone listening, to this is like, yeah, what the fuck? Yeah. yeah, what are you talking about? That was fun. Great, good stuff. Alan Arkin, amazing. So. Really good. Also, good one of the most powerful uses of an f bomb of all time. Oh, so good. <laughs> yeah. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I don't know. It's I genuinely can't think of one that hit me as hard as that one. Yeah, man. Right. Very wow. good. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's a good movie. What about you, Mark? Anything? Carell was very good in that. Yeah. Everyone was. I mean, I could just literally oh, name every single actor great. that was in that movie, and they were all great. So everyone was mm-hmm. great. It was yeah. Good. It's one of these things where Danielle gets really excited when she sees an actor that she recognizes. Okay, and so it was happening so, every two seconds. And so the opening <laughs> the beginning of, of this movie. The opening of that movie was just you freaking out. Crack it here. You're just like, oh my god. It's, a, it's Is so that Steve Carell? Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was literally every it was, single person. I was so bought in immediately by the John was, was like, fun. Oh, you've never seen this? I was like, No, what is it? And he goes, oh, you'll see. I was like, All right. <laughs> excellent really good so yeah. I'm, I'm only saying something that everybody already knows i'm way behind on this but yeah so those are two what do you see what do you say good what about you mark anything that you've been checking out since we talked to you last uh so i started catching up on all my netflix stuff and i saw nimona oh right uh, you mentioned right. this i want to are check this out with nimona? I've, I've just seen it in like the top 10 or whatever and i've seen it uh, a lot of people were talking about it on twitter i don't know what this is at all uh, so okay. nimona is a comic by nd stevenson Right. And it's an exceptional comic. When I was reviewing uh, Our Encounters with Evil, I was really loving the art style and the way it moved and everything. And I made a comment about how the art style brought out an energy that reminded me of Nimona. And Mignola mm-hmm. commented later basically saying that was incredibly high praise. Oh, wow. Oh. So yeah, Min- uh, Mignola thinks a lot of Nimona as well. Okay. They nice. made it into a movie. This is a movie that struggled to be made. It was made by Blue Sky Studios. Oh. And okay. um so this is the same people who did Ice Age and everything. Um, and like, you know, the films are all right, but I feel like there's a bar they've never really cleared. 
Mm. Um, and and this film looked like it was going to clear it like by a mile. Anyway, um, about 75% of the way through the movie, like Blue Sky got bought by Disney. Disney was like, no, nah, we're not making this for oh. whatever reason. There's speculation as to what that could be and very wild speculation. Yeah. It could be anything really. No one really probably knows. But anyway, right. so this movie got picked up by Netflix, thankfully. Another studio okay. got the animation files, was able to finish the film, but they had to completely rebuild the pop pipeline to render right. it. So yeah. like everything about this movie is like a labor of love to get it finished. Right? Wow. Oh, wow. And it's currently, last I checked, it's currently sitting at 94% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics and 94% from audiences, which is like, oh my God, when does that ever happen? Yeah, right? sure. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I, I saw the movie. I loved it and I can't wait to see it again. Nice. Okay. Nice. High praise. Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely check that out. Awesome. That was a great one, Mark. What about you, Aubrey? I actually just recently rewatched uh, The Martian. I uh, love that movie. It's you a know. good one. Yeah, we were we <laughs> watched that one. one like yeah, within the last one. couple of months or so. I like uh, that one. And so as I was watching, I was like, you know, I kind of want to watch Apollo thirteen. And yeah. So oh I, yeah. I watched Apollo. I watched them like kind of like back to back. Wow, uh, nice. But uh, oh, that'd be nice. It's a good one. There's this one line in um, The Martian where they say like Rich Parnell is a steely eyed missile man, and I thought <laughs> I, I thought that was just kind of something cool because he's like piloting them getting him back to mars to pick up uh, matt damon and all that but then when i'm watching apollo 13 and they built the way to put the uh right. the fucking carbon scrubber from the round hole in the square yeah peg, yeah and he turns to him and goes you're a steely-eyed missile yeah man. he says yeah. that and i was just like wait i gotta look this up and so apparently it's <laughs> steely-eyed missile man is like something it was first said about this one guy from apollo 12 who fixed the thing right after liftoff and it got struck by lightning wow and they called him a steely-eyed missile man and so it's a compliment for somebody thinking on their feet and doing something that you know wow. is unthought of High yeah five. Oh, nice. awesome, Aubrey. <laughs> good catch man very nice <laughs> i remember i um, love that someone shit. like was uh commenting online somewhere once they were talking about like all these movies that have been made about nasa and everything and they're like oh it's so great it's like it's the same cinematic universe yeah it's reality oh, yeah, i've heard what about that yeah fuck? <laughs> that's reality oh no <laughs> oh man oh no that's, that's that so hurt sad. that one hurt that's I, I, upsetting I, mark i have heard that theory before too. i don't like that stomach hurts all of a sudden it looks like society was a mistake i have a couple things uh <laughs> So, no, I, I apologize. I feel for unwell. Oh, so good. I feel unwell. I know. I want to like get all those movies together and watch them now. I know. <laughs> Make a playlist of them. What's yeah. your watch order for reality? Oh no. <laughs> oh, no. So we got the right stuff. Hidden figures. Uh, First man. Apollo thirteen. Oh no. Oh. Oh, no. Podcast is melting down right now, you guys. I'm sorry. I, I, oh. oh man! All right, game face. Pull it together. End scene. <laughs> I have I, some time off from work right now. I've been watching a bunch of stuff. I'm trying to catch up on my comics, but right now I've been watching um, all this nature stuff. Is on Disney Plus right now, and they have this show on there called Extraordinary Birder. Oh, yeah, that's yes. a great show. Oh, my God. That's a great show. I binged that show, like, all in one day. It was so cool. That guy? Um, I really liked it. Wrote comics for fucking Marvel. Oh, yeah. Christian and Cooper. is now a famous birder 
guy, and he's yeah. great, man. He's awesome, and yeah. and uh, like um, conservationist. He travels. Man. He travels all over the world to see his life birds or whatever his birds that you can only like see. It's called a life John. And it was just, uh, you know, and obviously we love birds, but it was just a cool show. And it was just like something nice to watch. You know really what I mean? Good. You ever just want to watch something nice where yeah. people are just being yeah. nice, nice to each other oh, and yes, doing nice things? Teaching you and, about conservation. Yeah. And it yeah. was cool. I really liked it. Um, I, I couldn't get enough of it. After it was over, I was like, dang it, that's it. There's only one season of this. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, there's also some stuff about, you were talking about The Martian. I watched a mm-hmm. documentary on the Mars rover. Oh, um, cool. that All was right. really incredible! Yeah. I really enjoyed it, and just stuff like that. There was like a James. You Cameron watched James one. Cameron goes to the ocean, goes into the deep, goes, aliens of the at, deep. I was, oh, I walked in there that. and I was like, "What are you doing?" And he goes, "I'm watching James Cameron look at a bunch of weird shrimps." <laughs> and I was like, "Awesome! Rewind it. Let's yeah. do this. Yeah. I'm in." Yeah, so I've been watching a bunch of that stuff. We watched Independence Day for well, yeah, it was of July. July. Oh, you gotta we have to watch Independence Day. Same. I watched the the. The special edition version. I oh. like to watch the theatrical version. I I do have special edition. Yeah. I have watched it. I just prefer to watch the theatrical yeah. version. Oh yeah, no, I yeah. Mean, I everyone's seen that. Every once in a while, you got to revisit it. You got to revisit it. I always notice something new. Um, one of my favorite things is Robert Loja saying "My God." Yeah, and I God. and I thought he said it once, but Danielle pointed out he says it twice. No, 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 no. Three separate characters say the phrase "My God," but I thought he, he does says, say it twice. He but does. He says it twice. I no, you're right. He said it that's once. right. Yeah. No, yeah, that's correct. But he does. somebody he else says it, says it the third time. I think Bill Pullman says it. Uh, obviously, uh, Jeff Goldblum says it. But yeah, Robert Loggia says it twice. I think he says it twice. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. he does. So I pointed that out, and I was next like, I felt July, like a fucking genius. <laughs> yeah, next Fourth of July, we'll we'll make a count of it. My God. And then I did something today that I haven't done in a long time. I went to the movies and had a double feature. Ooh, yeah, I went to see. I was at work. John went yes. to the theater. I went and saw two movies. He, two I, movies. I usually don't do that. He, um, he went to specifically to see AMC Sensation Nicole Kidman. Yes, I went to go see that. <laughs> you don't have that, I think, Mark. You don't have the AMC commercial. Yeah, well, why wouldn't she? Isn't she Australian? Uh, well, I don't no, think... like um the theaters that I go to are boutique theaters, and so like when you go into them. Uh, they generally don't show ads. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very nice. So like you go in, you see a few trailers, and then the movie starts. I went to go see first of all ad sensation Nicole Kidman, and also somehow heartbreak feels, feels good in a place like this. <laughs> anyway, she have commercial. a Bostonian accent. <laughs> um, I went to go see Transformers: Rise of the Machines and The Flash. Wait, Rise guess, of the Beast? Rise of the Beast. There you go. I already forgot about the I forgot what the <laughs> name was. So I purposely went to go see those movies because I knew you would have no interest in seeing I those. I did not movies. want to see them. And I wanted to check them out. I can understand that. Um and and I just wanted to see them because I like watching this kind of stuff. And so, so I'll give a spoiler free review of okay. both of these movies really Great. quick. I'll make it quick. Transformers was awesome. This is what I will say. This is the movie that we've been wanting. Mm-hmm. This one. Even okay. More, even more so than Bumblebee? It, okay, they take everything that was good. It's a sequel to Bumblebee, which okay. I didn't even realize. And they take everything that's good about that movie, and that's the movie. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it was really good. The human characters aren't that annoying. Uh, they're, they're pretty good. Um, but you get, like, the Transformers. They don't look... They look like the toys. You know what I mean? They nice. look like the toys. 
they're doing Transformers stuff. Like 20 um, years too late for me. It's it, it's the yeah. same kind of I've been hurt. Guys. Well, it, it, it's the same kind of movie where it's like, oh, we got to get a thing. And if we don't get the thing, then, then this thing is going to happen. And then that thing is going to happen. And then all the things. And sure. then, but if we get this thing, then we can do another thing. It's, it's that, which is fine. I mean, but it was like, it was great. Ah, it was so good. And, and, and yes, it probably is late too for a lot they of people. It's so hard. But I would say, if you're going to go see it, uh, I, I want to rewatch Bumblebee. Like, it made me want to come home okay. and rewatch that. Because it was I really, really good. Bumblebee. And I, I saw that one only because uh, there's a video essayist, uh, Lindsay Ellis. And Love she her. did a series called The Whole Plate about Transformers breaking it down in terms of, like, feminism and, and uh. all this kind of stuff. That It's a really great series. Like, she's, it's so, so good. And, you know, she basically loves how bad the movies are in their own way it's just, <laughs> so bad like you know but um when she saw bumblebee she enthusiastically recommended bumblebee so i was like okay well, it was now good. i have to see it yeah, and it i really like that one the, the rise of the beast is a difficult one for me because beast wars is my transformers you know that's the one yeah. that i like right and i'm right. like and i'm like looking at these things going that no that's got machine bits all over it. that should look like just a gorilla you know, like right, it's it's right. just it's too far from what I love, and I, I, I you know, like it's especially because Beast Wars is so much more sci-fi than the other one, like with the whole time travel element and everything. Right, and right, yeah. I don't think any of that's going to be in there. So I've no. started to realize I have a limited time on this earth, and how I spend my time is kind of like, yes. do I really want to do this anymore? I have to move on from it. Yeah. I have to move on yeah. from it. You know, and there's and some things too that I'm happy to leave as memories. I just got to move yeah. on from well, this anyway. Um, I thought it was pretty good, and then, mm-hmm. but what, but what was mind-boggling is watching it back to back with the Flash because <laughs> the CGI in the Transformers movie was incredible. It was like beautiful, and then the that that was the worst part of the Flash. I, I thought was the CGI was pretty terrible, like throughout. That the movie. seems to be a um, general consensus. And and uh, and whatever problems you have with Ezra Miller or whatever, the the movie is like it it should work. The, the like if you didn't have those issues with the actor and if the cgi wasn't so bad everything like should but it just anyway the cgi is bad in that movie i there were some fun moments you know i st- i'm a comic book nerd and i geek out over shit so you know there are definitely the geek out moments and stuff like that and some of them were good and some of them were bad because the cgi was bad you know what but I people mean? are also saying that it's not a cohesive movie like it's not a movie you can like definitely see it seems to be a jumble of parts yeah it is kind mm. of that but within the jumble of parts I there are some good own. moments there it, it reminds yeah. me a lot of batman versus superman right. it reminds me a lot of that yeah movie because it's just like there's all the things that you like but yeah. they don't do it the right way and again or, that just mm. doesn't seem like something i'd be willing to go to the theater to yeah. see like the theater experience is like it's a lot of bullshit to sit and watch a movie and so like it's got to be like something that sure, i'm sure. really invested in or else it's just like whatever so that this the movies that you're talking about i feel like a couple of months from now you're gonna have this on in the living room anyway yeah you yeah. know so i'm gonna be doing something and i'm gonna kind of like you know yeah. i'm gonna absorb it one way or the other. so it's not like i just feel like schlepping to the theater and, and sitting in the theater yeah. and all this stuff it's like i could just it's gonna be here in a couple months sure in my living room no matter what i say so yeah I, I just, just had the day off, yeah. so I was like, no, that's fun. That's this. cool. Yeah. If you've got a day off and you're this. just like, fuck it, I'm going to the theater. Yeah, that sounds like a fun, that, cool, so. anyway, relaxing that's fun That's what day. I did with my day today, yeah. and I don't regret it because uh, it was still sure, whatever, yeah. you know what For I mean. For sure. Yeah. Support I mean, your theater. I don't know. Or I don't know. Or cinema's back. Or don't. Whatever. Cinema's back. We're back, baby. We're so back. Yeah. Cinema's fun. I love going to the movies. And now we're going to go on to our book club episode for the week. 
And this week we're talking about British Paranormal Society, Time Out of Mind. This is a four-issue series that was published from April to October 2022. That's a long time, Mark. Was it like bi-monthly or something like that? Or um, I'm trying to remember what the what was going on around the time. This was probably when um, Dark Horse was having supply problems because COVID happened and literally every step of the publishing industry got upset and then they'd set a release date and then there'd be a problem with the printer at some stage and Yikes. it's one of those things where you don't see it so much in marvel and dc because they can throw their weight around and get priority right, over other yeah. publishers but small publishers they will they show up this sort of stuff much more you see them <clears throat> struggling to hit dates because you know someone right. else has been bumped up the queue ahead of them yeah i just thought that was interesting yeah i uh john when you told me I said, what am I reading? You said, British Paranormal Society. I actually laughed aloud because that's literally the title of this book. I thought you were being silly. Oh, you thought? <laughs> when you said that. I thought you were doing the John thing where you're like, British Paranormal Society. Oh, okay. You thought I it's made British that It's British Paranormal Society. I was like, okay. Like, I thought you were trying to give me an idea of what to expect when I read yeah. this book. Mm. And uh, no, that's what it's called. It's called British That's the title of it. It's a name that, uh, that means a lot to Hellboy fans. Because it's great. Because all the way back in the first issue of Seed of Destruction. Yeah, no, I am for this. Yeah, it's so great. Yeah, this is great. I think that's a fantastic name. Right. And I love yeah. the font so much with my life. Yeah, I, know I that, love that this O with the, custom the dot. Oh, uh, yeah. The little have C we ever really talked cool. about like how great that's the good. logos are on this series? Oh, so on, like, good. We have in general? But it's hand-drawn by... Mignola, doesn't Mignola draw this? Or am uh, I mistaken? Designed by different people. I oh, the different yeah. people do it. Okay. Well, no, yeah. like uh, Kevin Nolan did the uh, Hellboy logo. Oh, right. okay. Kevin Nolan is yeah. yeah. Um, well, they're like hand done though, right? Some of them are. Like I, I remember, um, I sometimes see the the PDF files and I can see how they're constructed. So I can tell, for example, that Witchfinder which um, finder had been done by hand and scanned in, but some others are created uh, in Illustrator. You can tell because it's all vector art. Like Sure, absolutely. But still, even then, yeah. someone's creating that. That's right, a custom right. font. Oh, yeah. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, everything's custom. Like, you know, they, they do a really nice job. It's really good. They're not using papyrus or some horse <laughs> shit. Papyrus! <laughs> this is a gorgeous, beautiful font. This series is written by Chris Robertson, art by Andrea Moody, colors by Lee Lowridge, and lettered by Clem Ross. Robbins. Andrea Moody is an Italian comic book artist who has worked on a variety of independent comics as well as work for the big two, including Batman and Star Wars titles. Lee Lowridge is an artist who has worked uh, as a colorist in the comics industry, probably best known for Batman Adventures and Fables, War and Pieces. I think we've talked about Lee Lowridge before mm. on another series, but I don't remember. So I was like, let me just go back. But I know Andrea Moody. This is their debut in the Hellboy universe, right? No, uh, he did one story with uh, a particular person who will not be named. That was like a short story and was meant to lead into a full series that has since been struck from the canon because they don't want anything to do with that particular writer anymore. Oh, okay. But this is the first time that we're talking about this person, on, uh, Andrea. On exactly. The podcast, this is right? the first canon thing that he has done now nice and the covers are by sebastian fumara who we're very familiar with from fumara's work on hellboy ape sapien and the bprd titles so we got this awesome trade paperback cover uh i really like this danielle you were saying that this looks like andy circus it's right a little bit like andy circus <laughs> got some andy circus vibes right there just a little bit oh uh, yeah i could see it yeah <laughs> really good and then we also have the issue one cover on the issue one cover, Simon Broom. So this is Simon Broom. They make him look like Trevor Broom a yeah. lot, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
he's holding the magician tarot card so that's going to mm. kind of come into play with the issue but we get some great covers here i love the way fumara draws honor a grant and simon broom mm. you know at first i thought that that was like uh victor whatever his fucking name is you know the guy herman von klem herman von klem i don't know why <laughs> calling victor but it's actually just the tombstone right that we see later in the thing yeah yeah <laughs> that's really cool so we open in the village of noxton it says noxton downs the cotswolds so it's the most british opening yeah for any book <laughs> so true Noxton is fictional, but the Cotswold is a real place. It's a region in central southwest England. It's designated as an area of outstanding natural beauty, an AONB, in 1966. It covers 787 square miles. So we see uh, Simon Broom and Honor Grant roll up to this village, and they're in an old timey car. I didn't think, I didn't look up like what time of car that is, but that must be like an early, I don't know. An old timey car. Old timey car. There you go. It's got a Model yeah. A look to it, but uh, I like. You're gonna get nerds on your ass, Aubrey. Okay. Don't commit. They're gonna. They're it gonna looks like a you. Model Z car. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, I like the way he draws this car because he's like just like two little panels, and one of them is all in silhouette, but to still get that like they're they're booking through that town. Really, right? <laughs> when in doubt, black it out. <laughs> As they talk, we learn that Simon is looking for his friend Lowell who was heading to this village. Lowell was Simon's teaching assistant, but they were also doing psychic experiments. Ooh. Look how Simon grew out his mustache. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, he, uh, I like that, um, you know how, like, with comics, a uh, character can sometimes get stuck with the same haircut their entire life, and they just sure. yeah. I like that his evolves. Like, you see the way he uh, shows up in um, the Silver Lantern Club. It's different to how it appears in Witchfinder, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's just here's the transition point. It's also yeah. interesting to see him grow up. He becomes a stockier man over time, whereas like you know uh, Trevor, he becomes more wiry. Oh, uh, you're right. Yeah. yeah. So Broom is explaining their experiments. He says, "My working hypothesis is that thought transference might operate on the lines of electromagnetism, and by extension, that apparitions are energetic in nature." But so far, Lowell's success in sending or receiving my thoughts is no better than blind chance. Think hard. What is it? Circle. Close. Spot definitely wrong. (laughs) So the next stage was they were going to take readings at places known for spectral apparitions and hauntings to see if the readings are skewed. So Broom was receiving updates from Lowell, but they stopped when he was heading to Noxton to check out some standing stones that were associated with apparitions. We learned that Honora Grant is there because she's been researching seasonal festivals, and she's heard that Noxton's spring celebration is another thing entirely. But on the surface, it seems like any other May Day festival. I love surveying traditional seasonal festivals. Yeah. That sounds like something I would fucking dig. <laughs> That's great. Oh, I'm so into that. Yeah. That oh, my awesome. God. I'm so into that. And it made me think of I immediately love her. It, it immediately gave me like, um, what's that movie, that horror movie uh, about May Day? Oh, oh, Midsummer. Midsummer. It made me. It gave me Midsummer yeah. vibes yeah. immediately. Well, you know? but like it, it gets to the heart of 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 a lot of pagan culture. Right. Is there seasonal festivals? Is like it's like such a huge part of a uh, culture's. <laughs> you know, like identity and how they, how they um, identify with one another and, and yeah. how they, I don't know. It's just like there's something about that that just really gets to the heart of uh, what it is to be human. And I think like the disappearance of that, like local seasonal festival culture is right. so sad. I don't yeah. like that at all. So that's cool. I would, I would really, uh, 
I would love to go on a little tour of that around the world of doing <clears throat> stuff like that. That seems like that would be a super fun research <clears throat> yeah, thing. That would be great. So she mentions May Day. That's the festival marking the beginning of summer, usually celebrated on May 1st. Festivals often include gathering wildflowers and green branches, weaving floral garlands, crowning a May Queen, and setting up a May Pole. There's also bonfires. Regional varieties and related traditions include Valpurgis Night in Central and Northern Europe, the Gaelic Festival Beltane, the Welsh Festival Colin Mall, and May Devotions to the Blessed Virgin Mary. It has also been associated with the ancient Roman festival Floralia. So there you go. Hmm. Um, I like when she tells him, uh, come along, slow coach. And he's yeah. like, he's got those like exclamation lines like, what the heck? I'm carrying all these bags. But I like that phrase, too. We heard it on Silver Lantern Club as well. Mm. Slow coach. And I actually like had to look into that because what I've always heard is like slow poke, right? So what I read here was like slow coach is more like the UK version and slow poke is more like the American version. And so slow coach was like the coach that slow gets left behind. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then poke is like a poke was like something that would they would use to like keep a pig or a sheep from running away. It's like a, it's like well, you've a, heard the phrase cow poke. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a, like a wooden stock or something like that. Yeah. But that got transferred to mean a person later. Yes, but that's what it that's yeah. what the, the original the slow meaning. Poke. Yeah, that's the slow poke is not going. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I just look at this inn they're staying at. I want to stay there. Do you want to stay nice. there? Very yeah. nice. I don't know if you want to stay at this inn. Why not, John? Um, we'll, Why not? we'll find out. We'll find out. First of all, this creepy lady works there. She's <laughs> um, pretty creepy. She's so pretty creepy. they're checking in. They see another guy checking in with red hair. I want to name this guy. Okay. What, what do you want to name this guy? Who is he? Uh, I have something in mind, but I'll leave it to you guys first. Okay. What is it? No. No, we want to hear what you're saying. It's too late. You already said it. <laughs> I'm going to call him Volk. Okay. That's okay. beautiful. I that's love perfect. It. perfect. Okay. So we'll, we'll come back to that. But anyway, uh, so we see this guy <laughs> checking in and uh, after he checks in, Bruben and Grant check in with the lady at the counter after getting mistaken for a couple, which Grant is very quick to correct. Broom asks about his buddy Lowell, who was supposed to be there, but the clerk says she doesn't know anything. And uh, I feel like once she figures out that they have separate rooms, that's kind of implied. She sort of yeah, goes out of her goes way out of her to way be like, to uh, we're most definitely not a couple. Yeah. So. And Grant asks about the festival because she says there's not anyone there. They don't get many visitors. And she's like, but surely people come to town for the festival. I imagine it draws in people from all over the county. And the lady oh, says... Oh, well, if it's the festival, yeah, there you go. you're in for a real treat. She's going to be making her scones. Or scones. Or scones, however you say that. However you say that. What, what, what kind of scone do you like there? Uh, scones. They're too crunchy. Uh, uh, what? Scones crunchy. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that would get a reaction. <laughs> that was so fun. It was between that and I was debating whether or not to say, oh, they're too wet. Oh, okay. I don't like them. <laughs> Just to aggravate. <laughs> oh, aggravate Mark. Mark. Thing over there. Yeah, no, they're, no, they're good. They're, when they're made well, of course, they're good. Uh, like anything uh, else, uh, when they're not made yeah. well, they're bad. So I'm just thinking, yeah, like a really great place that does uh, high tea with scones and like mm. delicious Chantilly cream and strawberries and Ooh, oh, Chantilly so cream and strawberries. Ooh, I love that. I'm down. I'm in. What What do you think next? Uh, are you down for next Sunday or? <laughs> no. Um, oh, did we mention the book? The The book where they're looking at the names? Oh, the names. Oh, right. Yeah. So <laughs> it says uh, Kitty O'Brien. It looks like it says yeah. there. So uh, thought... um, O'Brien blank. Uh, there's clearly Roberson, uh, mm-hmm. Muti, 
Yeah, it's it's all the stuff. It's nice. Cute. Yeah, that's really cool. I just love those details. Yeah, that's really nice. Thanks yeah. for pointing that out, Mark. So as they try and walk away, Broom is going to say something. He's like, I don't trust. And she just kind of cuts him off. And then when they go outside, she's like, look, the walls have ears. Keep your thoughts to yourself until we're out of earshot. Okay. Ta very much, ma'am. Good luck with those scots. (laughs) (laughs) I miss Sarah Snook. We're going to cast Sarah Snook. Oh, yeah. I like her. Yeah. Very much. Yeah. Is she Australian? She's Australian, isn't she? Yeah, she's Australian. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I've been following her for a long time going, man, she needs to break out. She needs to break out. Now she's broken out big time. So good. What? Wait, who? Sarah Snook, she was in uh, Succession, which ended recently, so I'm missing her. So let's cast her. Yeah, she would be good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she could totally do this role. She'd be right? great. Be so good. She has that attitude. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, she does smart very well. Anyway, yeah. it's going to be And she good. can do a very convincing British accent. Oh, yeah, for sure. Nice. So Simon Broom doesn't believe that the lady hasn't seen Lowell. And the duo split up for their separate missions. So Broom, we see him, he goes all over town with no luck of finding Lowell. I like his sweater vest. I love that sweater vest. Right? It's good. I, I like the different vignettes too. They all have like different colors. And then when he's kind of like left hopeless, it kind of has this open panel. I want to go like, around oh, here. Yeah. I want to go around with a bushel of apples like this. <laughs> What's he got in that backpack right there? What's he got in there? What's in there? Apples. <laughs> crisp delicious country apples (laughs) over with grant she's at the church with father bryant she asks about the may day festival there she's read references to noxon's festival going back to the norman conquest that was the 11th century Mm -hmm. fyi i had to look that up Mm, fyi Um, he says great grant asked father bryant if he thought anything struck him as odd about the festival when he was a newcomer but he says he's never been a newcomer he was born there he describes their traditions as quaint and harmless. I don't like when people call fellow grown adults my child. Oh, That's yeah. Oh, yeah. something real creepy and gross about that. Yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. Maybe yeah, it's just because he's got like the collar on. <laughs> like, yeah. It makes it even worse. <laughs> yeah, <honest> with you. <laughs> yeah. No. So he tries to walk away, but she presses on with more questions. She wonders why the Jack and the Green figure, which is common in May Day celebrations, is not present in Noxton. So the Jack and the Green, also known as Jack O the Green in English folk Jack custom. Jack O the Green? Yeah. Jack of the Green. Jack of the Green. Uh, associated with the celebration of May Day. It involves a pyramidal or conical wicker or wooden framework that is decorated with foliage. Lady Ragland in 1939 proposed that Jack and the Green was the Green Man. Yes, Green Man. She yes. further interpreted both the Jack and the Green as the Green Man as pre-Christian spirits of nature and fertility. Yes. So there you go. Nature. So instead of the Jack of the Green, this village has the Gray Man. And so she's like, the Jack of the Green is tied to renewal and this Gray Man is tied to like decay or something like that. But Father Brian interrupts and he tells her not so subtly basically to fuck off and get out of there. Right. Yeah, he's all like, good day, pushes her out. It's like, sorry, but I don't have time for more any questions. She's like, there's a big painting here, uh, and it seems like it's been incorporated like into. So I just thought, like, since it's literally right here that I would ask you about it. He's like, get out of here. <laughs> okay. The fuck? I also like how this bottom panel is spilling out the same way that. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, kind of these lingering yeah. questions. Ah, I like that, Aubrey. Great job there. Oh, sorry, there's something that Mooty does a lot. If you look throughout the book, uh, the right-hand page often spills in. It's sort of something that makes you want to turn the page. 
Nice. Well, they're both left on a bit of a cliffhanger here. Yeah. As yeah. far as their quest. So that's an excellent observation. Very cool. Um, I was trying to look up if that painting is anything. I couldn't find a reference to this painting. And I think it's just supposed to be like their symbolization of the green man thing. It also looks like it's on the standing stones, which are going to become part of the story later. Yeah. So anyway, I thought that was interesting. It's good. So Grant meets up with Broom. I like when she walks up to him, he goes, what a bizarre pose. He's, He's looking, looking at, at that, that statue. statue. Right. So th- they, we'll come back. We'll talk about that again. As they talk, they basically, nothing has turned up for either of them. Simon is going to go back to check out those standing stones and Grant is going to snoop around a little more. They will meet back later at the inn. So nearby, Grant sees a group of local ladies nearby and she decides to get all up in their business. <laughs> I like when she asks him about the gray man and this older lady just automatically answers. She's like, he's got to be kept satiated, don't you know? Or else. And the other ladies are like, oh, you know, old Marjorie, what is she saying now? You know what I mean? Like, but they look shocked when she says that initial response. Yeah, that one lady's got like, yeah exactly so that happens and then the next thing that happens is grant walks over and she sees some kids playing a weird game so they tie this one kid up to a pole and they say rings around up and down until the stars are right this is really and then they leave that fucked kid up there. because he's really tied up like and, that's fucking and he's going when is it my turn because, like, I guess he's always the one tied up, and then they, like, leave him there. That's really fucked. So then, like, Grant unties him, and she's like, oh, your friend scurried off, and he just takes off. He doesn't even talk to yeah. her. She's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Do you think that um, Grant was all like, man, maybe I shouldn't have untied him first? No, that's <laughs> right. horrible. No, he's I a got child. My, should have got my questions in first. No. No, child. you don't get truth under duress. I think that tells us what sort of a person she is, if I'm honest. Yeah. Yeah. A normal, sane person that's not horrible. Trevor Broom would have waited. Yeah. Yeah. He would have. (laughs) Anyway. I'm going to keep it a buck. I think you're right. I love this panel when you turn the page this mm. is really cool yeah i was just admiring that myself oh man i put a note here that says talk about the art if you haven't that's so funny though <laughs> wait, wait, wait. i love is this, this panel. one of those ones that makes you stop for a moment yeah you stop and you look but yes uh andrea moody and lee lowridge are doing some amazing work here and i just love the like it's probably like beautiful weather and he's walking around in his like nice sweater and it's definitely oh, yeah. the golden hour yeah he's got the apples in his backpack he's got the and, apples and, i mean man like it's nice. nice it just seems very picturesque um until he runs across this scary old dude with an axe just chopping a stump for some reason look you, you gotta chop a stump sometimes <laughs> But I like it, though, you know, like, because it gives you a sense of the time passing. It gives you a sense of how far away he is from the town. It gives you yeah. a sense of how alone he is. And then he comes yeah. across a guy with an axe. Yeah. And, and a pipe. Don't forget this pipe. Well, yeah, he's got his little <laughs> pipe. And I thought he was going to do something bad. I was like, oh, no, there's a creepy guy. Like, we saw what just happened with Grant. So I'm like, now something creepy is going to happen with him. But I this... didn't get any creepy vibes from this guy. Okay. Well, I was glad that yeah. there was no, there was nothing I got more creepy vibes from the innkeeper. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Lady. Um, he's actually very helpful, but when he tells Broom the directions to the Standing Stones, he calls it Angel Fall. Yeah. So that's the clue there, right? Yeah. I like to think this guy, uh, you know, like, he lives out of the town for a reason. Yeah, for a reason. Exactly. Oh, maybe, exactly. Yeah. I saw him as, like, the one guy that's not fucked up. Ah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that he 
drops the name Angel Ball when no one else is saying anything yeah. like that. Just casually, like, you know, he's upfront about giving information. Yeah. yeah, he's very helpful. Talking about the art again as we come over to this next scene with Grant in the graveyard. In the graveyard. Mm. I feel like the colors are informing us of a lot yeah, here. But it looks great. It looks amazing. In the, in the scene this. with this guy, but in the scene with her as well. Like yeah. the colors are doing a lot of heavy lifting. Sure, yeah. That's a bit more of it even for a graveyard, is it? It's a graveyard. Right. But well mushroom imagery. Big mushrooms. Yeah, basically yeah. like it's mushrooms cool. and de- people decomposing i guess or whatever. i dig it i think it's you great know, this one tombstone has like a dude's head on it and it's turning into yeah. mushrooms or whatever which i thought was interesting because we talked about mushrooms growing out of the eyes last week on baltimore which, oh i missed that the witch of harju yeah you did miss oh. that but there was a part where someone uh, i think you'd mushroom... be glad that you missed that yeah <laughs> no i have i i think i've said before have i not said this before if i haven't I would love to do a mushroom burial. I would love to be, uh, oh, when I yes. die, I would love my corpse to be uh, taken over by a bunch of different types of mushrooms right. in the ground. And no. do that. Yeah. Well, this is a, like, have, like this suits. Is... I'm totally all for that. Mushroom suits. No, I think what we're talking yeah. about is um, something horrible. A, a guy was killed by mushrooms growing out of his eyes. Oh, he was alive and they <clears throat> did yes. that. Yes. <laughs> no, I don't want that yeah, at all. I want to be, no. The I'm talking about the corpse. No. It's like the bird, it's like the sky burial sure with yeah. birds although yeah. i wouldn't be against yeah. birds eating my corpse that would be sweet i would yeah. love that yeah be, either uh, one or tigers i'm okay with tigers too. mushrooms or birds one of the two yeah okay yeah let us know in the listener feedback how no yeah. i'm just kidding no you can that's good <laughs> <laughs> that's good while we're on the subject there real quick uh mary roach is stiff definitely if you're oh if, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah that's that's an, incre- an insanely insightful on. book on what happens to bodies after you she know, manages like, to take a really difficult topic and yeah. turn it into something that you can read yeah and it's, uh, it's very humorous and, well some of it is humorous and some of it is yeah. respectful and some of it is somber and some of it is fucking funny as fuck and so yeah it's good stuff it's also just very informative yeah. i've never learned so much at one time it's really, really good, good book anyway so here in the cemetery, Grant, she sees this woman like talking to one of the graves and she's like, little William has gotten so big since you were chosen. So and she's like, uh, hey, miss, I want to ask you some questions. And the lady just runs off. So that's like or not. <laughs> yeah, it was here that I uh, knew what was going on. Oh, OK. The thing with the kid and then this thing. Oh, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Broom finds the standing stones. And he's looking around in there investigating and he crunches on something and he looks at it and it's that magician tarot card. That's the one that they were doing the experiments with. I don't yeah, know mm-hmm. if I mentioned that earlier when they showed the experiments. He was trying to get him to like see that he had that card or yeah. the psychic transference or whatever. Yeah. So I thought it was interesting that they come back to this card. What can you tell us about the magician card? Uh, the anything? magician card, it's uh, part of the uh, major arcana or arcana, however you like to pronounce that. Uh so it's this. Are you talking about like the symbolism? Yeah. The magician. So he's got one hand up and one hand down. That's as above, so below. This we're talking about this card specifically. Obviously, there have been countless artists that have done their own tarot decks, which are all amazing. Uh, share with us your tarot decks and things that you've got. Uh, but this particular card that we're talking about on the table in front of him, you've got the wand, the pentacle, the sword, and the cup. That represents the four suits, the minor suits. Uh, you've got they. They're supposed to you know signify the four classical elements uh blah, blah blah and the magician can do what he wills right uh so do without wilt and all that stuff uh what is that what else let me think uh the wand is like the conduit between the spiritual and the physical 
So maybe like this could symbolize like the transference that they were trying to yeah, do. Yeah, he's a transference like guy. He's doing that. So anyway, as he comes across the card, then he's attacked by some unknown thing. He can't see it, and it swipes him across blah, the blah, head blah, pretty blah. good. Yeah. And that's kind of where it ends, right? I like so, him up against the full moon there. That's fun. Yeah, really nice. Oh, All shit. Right. Here comes the tower. That's a card you don't want to see. So tell us about that one. Oh, that's on the issue two cover. Man. Tower is, uh, you got some trials and tribulations a coming. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. So we see <laughs> that um, We see that here on the issue two cover. Another outstanding cover by Sebastian Fumara. What's funny is it's like I'm I'm reading through the Dark Tower right now. So oh, I saw, yeah. I saw it was like the Tower. The tower. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's everywhere. That's a card that's um that's been on my mind a little bit lately because it's showing up elsewhere in uh, some Neoliverse stuff. Okay. Oh, okay. It's like nice. it's often it uh, it's often interpreted as being like ah crisis, big big change, lots of destruction, <clears throat> but it's also you know can be associated with like um well through those you know it the, through those things happening you can you know make a transition to another phase and sometimes in order to uh create there has to be destruction so you know before you can start a new path on life you have to destroy the old self or whatever so it can be kind of like liberating for some people but it's going to be really really fucking hard so a lot of times it's associated with like um a lot of fucked up shit that's a you know just really right. just the worst stuff so it can be a scary <laughs> card but it can also mean like, well, it's a period of um of of shifting and changing and and so, you know, it can't heal unless it's got it's it's gotta hurt if it's gonna heal, kind of a thing, right, I guess. So, right. you know, it just depends on it really depends on the surrounding cards in the particular uh reading that you're doing. I think it really depends on all every card, like cards by themselves are you know right. are what they are but then like in association with each other sure. it's another thing and it's, <clears throat> it's all this and what position it's in and all these things and so it just okay. depends on who you're talking to i guess good stuff also some people think it's just a fun game with cards that are pretty and have pretty pictures yeah in them, so sure who knows? yeah in this Very story nice. it doesn't mean that though it means something it means something it means something in the story <laughs> so we pick up on bring with his attacker and basically he does a smart thing and, and runs away but I love the expressions, you know, the facial expressions yeah. that Moody puts on him, you know, as he's like freaking out. You know that that is an artist with a mirror. Oh, right. In his yeah, studio. Yeah. At his drawing drafting table, he's got a mirror there. He's able to do these expressions here. But he takes a couple. He takes one across the face, at he least. He sure does. Yeah, mm-hmm. that sucks. The trees as he's like trying to find his way. Like all that stuff is really great. Scary, this whole yeah. page is really good. I like the um the deep muddy green with that like kind of almost like pinkish red. Mm-hmm. It's really mm-hmm. someone knows his colors theory. It's good stuff. So Broom runs towards the nearby town, but when he gets there, um, he encounters these two dudes, and they're like, "Ah, these tourists! They can't hold their liquor." What is this guy too t- many? Yeah, because he's like, "There's a creature <laughs> after me," and all this kind of stuff, right? Sleep it yeah. off. I do like the way the the lights are shining outside the building. Oh yeah, yeah real adding good. to that, that that moody atmosphere, and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. you got these light lit up rooms and shit like yeah. that. Totally nice. I want to go hang out with these guys. No, you don't want to hang out with them, <laughs> sweetie. <laughs> yeah. The next morning, Broom and Grant have their breakfast at the inn. Um, I like to think about what tea they're drinking. What do you think they're drinking there? That's probably Earl Grey. Oh, I was going to say Earl okay, Grey. That's yeah. what they're drinking. They probably got a bit of. Uh, she might have a bit of bergamot in hers. Okay. A bit of lavender, a bit of lemon. Maybe he takes his with cream. What do you think, Aubrey? Good. Do you take your tea with cream and sugar or just straight up or what? Me? Yeah. That's not really. That just 
you know, be milk. Okay, yeah. milk. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're British. They're British. They're Br- that's true. Okay, Just yeah. milk then. It would be milk. Yeah. See, I take my sh- my tea either straight up or with a little sugar. Okay, right on. Mm-hmm. I just drink it straight. Yeah, me too. Like a straight. It, it really tea. depends on the flavor. Of yeah, the tea. yeah. Of which tea it is, which type of tea it is, like black yeah. tea or green tea or a yeah, like I an mean, oolong. Yeah, you can't put sugar in an oolong. Ugh. That is true. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So they're having their tea, and Broom is telling Grant about the attacker. And he mentions finding the tarot card. So she's like, is this just a coincidence? She's like, there's more than one. So she immediately throws that out there, right? But she also brings up her weird findings. What happened with old Marjorie and all that stuff, right? And so she's looked up some local history. I like her. While you were traipsing around the woods last night, I did some reading. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking. So. uh, That guy had a close fucking encounter. For real. So she has some local legends about these standing stones. And she shows this picture to him, and he's like, Angel Fall, right? So this picture is Gustave Doré's Satan Descends Upon the Earth. It's an 1866 engraving that was made for Milton's Paradise Lost. Those mm. etchings are phenomenal. Yeah, I'll put a side-by-side. Yeah. Um, it's really incredible. And I, and as soon as I saw it, I was like, wait, wait, wait a minute. I know yeah. what this is. I know what this is. Yeah, you know Doré. So yeah, yeah. Was, you, it was, yes. It was pretty easy to find. You know hundreds of times <laughs> in your life, for sure. I think this goes along with his comment earlier about what a weird pose because the pose of that angel yeah. is like, it's trying to fly back up. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Of the statue. And he was like, what a weird pose, but it's going along with this. Broom thinks that they built the stones where they believed an angel fell. Broom mentions that Lowell wrote of unexplained disappearances associated with the stones. And Grant wants to find more about all this, including about the gray man. So they mentioned a, another case in Dedham. Right, so that's a village in Essex, England. So they mentioned that they had an informant on that case, and so she wants to do that again. She wants Broom to help her out. She'll help him if he helps her first. And he's like, fair enough. What is it that you want me to do, Broom asks? What you do best, be a bloody nuisance. Amazing. I love, <laughs> I love What a great character moment. They're working together on this one. Yeah, it's yeah. good stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I did want to talk about this really quick. I was trying to figure out where to put this note. So um, I was trying to figure out, like, these stones that they keep alluding to. The standing stones. Is it a reference to a specific site or something like that? You know, in the Cotswolds. There's all kinds of sites like that. I know, yeah. but specifically well, so in, many of them. It, it, but specifically in the Cotswolds, there's one called Rollwright Stone. Oh, shit. And it has all these connections to Tolkien. Ooh. You know about this? Ooh. So I found this really great article. I'll link in the show notes. This uh, article is called Rollwright Stones, Cotswolds. Magical Things to Do, and Tolkien Connection, which I thought was really good. Awesome. So this person, I guess they travel around in different sites and they talk about the history of them. Um, so here they talk How about... get that job? I want that job. Well, I think this is like an independent blog or That's something awesome. like that. But it was pretty well researched, everything that was in here. I'll link it in the show notes. Um, but it did say, it talked about some of the ceremonies that took place at that site that, you know, historically that they would do. Dope. Um, but it says there's another place in that same area called Stow on the Wold, and that is near all this, and it looks just like the yew tree door or whatever, and then or it looks like the door of Moria. And then there's a there's a bell in. A lot of people have said that Tolkien that's the prancing pony, and even Broadway Tower has been compared to Emon Hen and the Seat of Sea. Love it. Mm. I love all of that. Um, and there's pictures of it. So, like, check that out. Uh, Yeah. 
I mean, that's 100% oh, wow. no question. So, a lot wow. of people, yeah. so, like, Tolkien was in this area, and yeah. so a lot of people said that he based a lot of stuff on these locations. For sure. Or whatever. So, I don't know if any of that's true, but I thought it was pretty interesting. I'll link this article. It's very well-researched in the show notes. We cut back over to the church, and we see Father Brian. Now he's there with Broom, who's playing a very annoying architecture enthusiast. I love it. <laughs> and so, Grant gets to sneak around, and she finds some pretty weird stuff as she's I, looking around in there. I love the parapets and pinnacles or dead giveaway was the limestone quarried locally do you know he's like i i I don't fucking know can you get the fuck out of here what do we think brian posain oh okay that would be funny in a funny role yeah so for me this just reminds me of the silver lantern club all over again when you're like he's in the pub and they just cannot get him to stay on topic for any length of time he's just he's got this power Right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, we see some of the stuff that Honor and Grant finds. I mean, she finds robes, masks, uh, like a ceremonial knife mm, or whatever. So you know, like, shit's uh, not good. That's not a good situation when you see a ceremonial yeah. knife on a cushion on a pedestal. We are going to have to talk about that mask later on. Don't, don't let me forget. Okay. Good. Because um, I don't have anything on that, but it's pretty creepy. If you're wandering um, around the back rooms of a church and you see. A bunch of ceremonial knives yeah. and matching robes. These, um, there's like a little close call where the priest almost catches, you know, Honor Grant, but she's come out the window. But those shots, like, they reminded me of like Frank Miller, kind of like Sin City esque, oh, sure. like the way oh, that yeah. they, yeah. the yeah. way that they frame this guy with the glowing glasses. All you can see is the glasses and the. That's very sinister. It's a very you know anime I mean? thing to do yeah, as well. Yeah. As Honor and Simon make their way back to the Standing Stones. They speculate on what they've seen. The knife Grant saw reminds her of a case in Dedham, the same one that they referenced earlier. They had to interrupt a sacrifice. Ugh. So we see some flashbacks of all this. I like how they're just like, do not. Yeah. <laughs> Stop what you're doing. Broom also speculates on what they were trying to summon. But Grant reminds him that most of the stuff is like charlatans taking advantages of others. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so he's like, you surprised me. After all we've been through and seen... And done over the years, you still doubt the evidence of your own senses. And she's like, right here, right now, this is the only evidence that we... So this is very Mulder and Scully. It really is. This is the moment where I said, and, and I love your casting, but I said, they should cast oh, David Duchovny and Julian Anderson <laughs> oh, yeah. as these two so roles. Good. And have them be <laughs> in the, oh, the British so Paranormal good. Society. She can do a great British fucking That's accent. the joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's That's them the again. Joke. It's them again. That's the jo- I fucking love that. Doing the same show, yeah. but it's just the 1910s. John, that's perfect <laughs> casting. That awesome. That's so good. They'd do it. They, they're at a point where they would do That'd it, too, so I think. Fun. Anyway. And in this panel specifically, yeah. yeah, I'm getting so much of it. In the first top, the top yeah. left-hand panel, it's just... It's good. It's Jillian Anderson, David Duchovny. I it mean, is. it just is. It is. Wow. <laughs> Perfect. That's why you waited for this panel. Yes, I did. I that. waited for this. <laughs> wow. This was the moment I was also going to bring up that whole, like, yeah, this is the X-Files stuff. It's so... Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're correct. Yeah. I love that. So they come across these standing stones, and they're examining them, and then they find a weird one. What is up with this Boy, weird one? Boy, that looks familiar, doesn't it? So uh, maybe I'm, I'm missing it. What What is it that... What are you talking about? These sigils. Oh, the sigils, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. no, 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 not the sigils. Oh, I'm no. referring to the stone itself. Oh. What is the, what is the stone reminiscent of, Mark? Do you remember uh, what a chunk of Enkelodite looks like? Oh, yeah. right. Okay, yeah. 
I love that. And I love Enkelodite too. I love that whole aspect of the universe and everything. So that's awesome. But they never say that in here, right? I mean, is that... Um... We're going to have to talk about that because... Oh, uh, okay. Uh, yeah. I, I see exactly where you're drawing that from. But anyway, yeah, we'll come back to that when we get to, <laughs> the, when we get to that part. Um, so yeah, they find this weird one. And they're looking around. They find like all the sigils. They also find like blood stains around it. And they're like, oh, this is old blood, like over the years type of blood. I like unless I miss my guess. Yeah. It's a good phrase. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I kind of like slow coach. I like that too. Come <laughs> along, slow coach. Let's start using that. They mention like Stonehenge has a recumbent stone, sometimes called the slaughtering stone. Mm. And so this one is kind of in the middle, kind of like where that would be. They start speculating about it and all this kind of stuff. When they hear a weird sound, it's the attacker again. He comes straight for Broom. He starts clawing him and kicking him and stuff. But now it's daytime. So, I mean, Broom is taking a beating here. Honor Grant, like, comes in with that elbow and... He whacks him with an elbow, he turns, and she dodges, and then she kicks him. Man, so she's awesome. much more adept at fighting than David Duchovny here. All of that in a dress as well. <laughs> a long dress. I like to think she picked up a few things from Lady Bi. Oh, there you go. Yeah, nice. Good callback. So they see the attacker finally in the daylight, and they see that it's Lowell. It's his teaching assistant that he's been looking for this whole time. But he's all crazed. His eyes are all he's sunken all in. Up. And I don't know what's happening, right? You don't. No, I, I would don't. say it's fairly obvious. What is it? He's a zomboid. Oh, okay. Is that what it is? Yeah. Right. Zombor. Well, well, we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll come back to it. Oh, man. I feel really bad for this guy knowing. Yeah. Like, yeah. we'll talk about it later. But... Yeah. So we get an uh, another awesome cover here by Sebastian Fumara. Is he doing the colors on this, too? I guess he is, right? He's yeah. doing all of it? Yeah, that's all him. That's impressive. So we pick up on them finding Lowell. He's all dirty and in a deranged state. He's like, where are they? They're coming for me. And so Anura has to punch him at one point. And when he sees that weird pillar, he starts running for it. So they chase after him, but he ends up running off a cliff. Wow. So that all that is pretty tragic. Um, and they find in his hand, he has the tower card. The police and the ambulance arrive. This is the 1810 version, I guess. Ugh. 1910. 1910, that's what I meant to say. Thank you, Aubrey. You wouldn't want that. Broom tells the officer that Lowell thought he was being pursued, and Grant talks about her suspicions about the cult, but the officer doesn't address it, and he just says they have all that they need. They realize that the officer might be in on it as well, and they can't rule out anyone. So they split up again. This time, Grant wants to go visit the priest, and Broom is going to send a letter to Lowell's family. You can't just, like, call someone up and say, hey. Yeah. He became deranged and stood up, ran off a cliff. So you got to go write a letter. How do you write that into a letter, too? Well, well, just you just kind of be like, so, Mrs. Blah, blah, blah. Hope all is well. I can't wait to have your apple pie. By the way, so and so ran off the cliff after he got deranged and he's dead. So anyway, if I mean, I would think that you would be adept at writing letters at that point. That's, you know, your only method of communication at that point is writing letters. Maybe like my dearest friend's mom yeah <laughs> yeah that's how you that, that that's how you say it i think um i i like that they spent time on that like yeah you know, it's it, that they actually give that a moment to show that this is something that affects him right yeah. right that was his friend i mean he's been there looking for him this whole time yeah so, mm. yeah so when broom finishes up we kind of see him thanking somebody and he runs into, the, into those two guys from earlier the ones that were making fun of him about finding a creature or whatever in the woods 
And then these guys fucking jump him. Yeah. I like and, his response to that, too. Very British response. Very amusing, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. He just kind of walks off. They come after him. He's got a little fight in him this time, mm-hmm. you know, which I like. But it's two against one, and they kind of get the upper hand on it. They're giving him the old one-two. Hmm. She's got the chop. Yeah, so yeah. Grant jumps in on the action. Oh, but these guys, they're like, it's good luck since that posh one ran off last week. I was worried one of us might draw the short straw. So, again, right? Oh, coming yeah. back to, like, mm-hmm. whatever's happening. We gotta or, get this They're guy. abducting people, right? Yeah, so Grant jumps in. She clocks this guy from behind. And then Broom takes out the other guy. And then they book it. They get out of there. Yeah. So, the it's the way she attacks here was what made me think of the Lady Bai thing. Because Lady Bai sure. was part of the um, Golden Crane Society. And oh, we know that right. they're trained in combat. And it's like, well, if she hung out with her a lot, she probably taught her a few things. Yeah. Yeah. As they make their way back to the inn... Grant tells Vroom that she went back to see the priest and he was already gone. And so was all the sacrificial gear. So she thinks whatever they're planning is happening tonight. Sure enough, we see a bunch of cult people abducting that guy from earlier. What did you name him, Mark? Book. Book. There you go. That's him. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) B-O-U-C-Q. That's a great name. That's a great name for I love it. Anyway, now they've got him. Vroom wants to save him, but Grant's like, we should wait and see what happens. And see if they have anyone else, too. So they start following them discreetly. I hope you know what you're doing, Miss Grant, Broom says. As Sarah Jewell was always fond of saying, this is not my first rodeo, Grant responds. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. They discreetly follow the procession towards the Standing Stones. And when they get there, they see the priest in his mask. He says... The Grey Man honors us with his bounty, and each year we give our thanks. Since ancient days, the Grey Man has watched over and protected the village, and the village has prospered under his watchful eye. When the stars are right and the hour is upon us, the Grey Man reaches out his hand. So the kids earlier were saying the start when the stars are right or something like that, so Mm -hmm. they were imitating this stuff. The priest further explains that after the sacrifice receives the Grey Man's touch, they release them from their mortal bonds so that their spirits can ascend and dwell at the gray man's side for all eternity. That's why they have to kill him, I guess, or whatever, right? Right. That's what the knife's for. So here, Grant makes her move to interrupt the ceremony. Broom punches this dude. He just goes over to that guy, the priest, and he just clocks him. I love that. That's great. But That's like, so good. <laughs> but I, I, I wish there was like a moment where the priest is like, is that the architecture guy for a second, right? Because he's, like, yeah. he's like, wait, isn't it? Weren't you the one asking me about the limestone earlier? Clock. Yeah, he's probably just like, oh, I should have told him about the parapets. Yeah. <laughs> Why is limestone guy beating he's me so up? He's so angry at me for, for brushing <laughs> right. him off. So uh, Grant frees the captive, and he just takes off. And Grant and Broom find themselves surrounded. The priest says the ceremony will continue. They have gained two sacrifices now. And so Grant pulls the knife, um, but they don't do anything. The priest Satan is good. Satan is our pal. <laughs> is that their chant? <laughs> yeah. Hey, look. Hey. Unconscious now. chanting. You're chanting. I want to kill everyone. Satan is good. Satan is our pal. The priest says, we don't need the dagger to begin the offering. The stone will see to that. The star is almost in position. The hour of the gray man is at hand. We see the star in the sky or whatever like gleaming and then like their eyes go white and then we have this we have this reveal man fucking awesome so good i was not expecting that it's not fucking bullshit right i love that in anything (laughs) that that's the twist is that 
oh, this was for real. Yeah. Well, and it's not <laughs> well, even. I like it that it's not that it's uh, it's not that it's um, not bullshit. It's that it's way more crazy than. Yeah, it's yeah. way more fucked up than they even that because they're too dumb to even understand what the fuck's going on. Yeah, I yeah. was thinking yeah. like um, there's something fucked up going on. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. I'm thinking like a monster of the week or like sacrifice thing, and it's like instead it's aliens. <laughs> Another awesome cover by Sebastian Fumara. I love how he draws Honor Grant. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I like the somewhat realism of the two characters that he gives and their faces and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So we get these opening two pages, which are really cool, so right? So fucking cool. And I love this shit. Yeah. This is my shit. <laughs> and I feel like Lee Lowridge is even doing something different with the colors, yeah. right, on these two pages. There's, like, something different going on with the art style. Well, it's like, you know, like when you see, like, flashbacks or something that's colored, it's slightly different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we see them, uh, these ancient people, they're looking up at the sky, and then we see the tear. There's like a tear in the in space or something, right? Mm-hmm. And then out of that comes the stone, whatever that standing stone that's in the middle. I fucking love it. As it comes down, it's like ripping reality. Or, I don't know, it's coming yeah. through that tear. The big boom. We cut back to the ceremony going on, so they still have their eyes all blanked out. And the guy's like, ah, it shouldn't be long now. They're in communion with the gray man. So we cut back to them. I, I like this because they're just like trying to figure, like they come at it so logically being in this they, well they've been transported to an somewhere al- else yeah an alien planet <laughs> yeah. that, that's being destroyed or something right everything's on fire it, i thought it was hell on earth at first mm-hmm. but i think it's their planet right it's like hell on earth happened to them too or something like that right they see the alien they try to like talk to it but it just kind of phases through them uh, that's when they realize that they're just like watching things play out. Broom is like, they're not really here or we ourselves are not. And Grant's like, I'm really hoping that it's us that's not really here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they look up in the sky and there's a big monster coming through a tear in this red sky or something mm-hmm. like that. What is happening there? Uh, monsters torn through, uh, through the fabric of reality yeah. is coming through the red sky. There Come you on, go. John, keep up. <laughs> so they shoot this uh, cannon at it, the aliens, and then we see it's that the, thing. The, the bullet is that rock or thing, whatever yeah. that's being shot out. It goes through the monster, and then after it goes through the monster, it keeps going, right? So like, and then we just saw that first page of it falling down through a tear, a red tear in the sky, so... You know, you can kind of draw that conclusion. They see it and they, yeah. uh, Broom immediately goes, a stone angel fall. Well, yeah. We know what's just outside of the world in the spaces between worlds. It's it's the uh, the Audrey spirits. Yeah, yeah. right. I, yeah. I was going to ask if it was yeah. one of the Audrey you have. Oh, no, no, not the uh, Audrey, uh, the Audrey Hem spirits. Hem. The, uh, okay. the 369, yeah. uh, <laughs> the ones that were destroyed, their spirits were in the abyss between worlds. Come on, uh, Aubrey, keep up. Yeah, it, Aubrey. <laughs> Good thing we have uh, Professor O'Donnell here to correct you. I knew it was Audrey <laughs> also. I just didn't want to say it. <laughs> no, this is funny because this is exactly what Matt's comic was yeah. about anyway. Uh, but, That's uh, why you're here. But so talk about the, do you want to talk about the Ankelodite now? Or because I'm interested in what your theory is for that. Talk about some stuff. Okay. This, we, we've seen the aliens around for a long time. Like they showed up all the way back in the first, you know, seat of destruction. In that they say the home, the, sorry, the prime world or home world or something when they're referring to Earth. And it's so weird because why would aliens from another planet refer to Earth as the, the prime or home world, right? Mm. And one of the long-standing theories from fans was that 
these are the ascended um, Hyperbrians. Right, right. Um, okay. Yeah, uh, so this was the the, um, the followers of the right-hand path and that ascended and all that. That is, uh, was kind of thrown out the window, though, when we got to the Visitor because we got to see their homeworld and we got to see all the monsters that are spawned by Ogdruham, like, emerging out and destroying their world. And it was sort of like, wait, what? So, like, this is also happening on another world out far in space and it was confusing. We never really got a, an answer to that. And now here we have the answer. So that rock is something very similar to Enkelodite, possibly quite uh, related to it. We know that Enkelodite pierces the barrier between worlds yes. and opens up to alternate dimensions. So what we're seeing here is not an alien planet. What we're seeing is Earth with where evolution took a different path. These are Earthlings, just interdimensional earthlings oh, oh they're in the like same that. spot but they're seen they, in different dimensions ah, i love that yeah, their dimension was destroyed and they are basically living in our dimension and trying to save us from the same fate right. they are not interstellar aliens they are interdimensional aliens i love that oh i love that excellent awesome Thank you for explaining that. Yes, it makes sense, though, with the Ancolodite now, because it does pierce those those two worlds or whatever. It does create a pathway, so I like that. It was one of those things where, like, when this happened, I was like, oh, my God, it all makes sense. Yeah. Like, all the little <laughs> things that just didn't quite fit suddenly went... <laughs> right. Yeah. Very good. So we see them snap out of it. The priest goes to conclude the rites, but Grant fends him off with a knife. Broom tells the priest that the ritual is not necessary. He asks if any of them have experienced what they went through. They haven't. And at this point, one person is like, why are they able to talk so suddenly? <laughs> Broom continues talking about the stone, how long it's been there. The priest says it's been there and they've had the ritual since time out of mind. They said the name of the thing and the thing. They said the thing. Oh, yeah. They did. Another one asked the father, how come Grant and Broom haven't been driven mad? Broom explains none of them were mad. They were probably scared senseless. But the priest is like, blasphemy. Don't say all this blasphemy around these people. The priest says they have to do it. It's their pact with the gray man. They have to sacrifice an offering so that their crops will be bountiful and the village will thrive for another year. But this is all bullshit, right? Yeah, that stuff's going to happen yeah. anyway. <laughs> but it's like, ah, it's so... It's frustrating. It's like, yeah, I don't know. It, I don't want to get into it, but it made me think of so many other things. And it's like, mm, we do this yeah, with, yeah. and it's like, they go, oh, we yeah. got to do this. And it's like, none of that shit matters. But yeah. anyway. So this is why I love the, the mask he's wearing, because his mask is supposed to be like the gray man, but it uh, looks yeah. nothing like the aliens. No. It's literally yeah. like he's heard, like, you know, like people who have heard about it, from a babbling person yeah. and done their own version of it. And it's basically, he's just wearing a mask that fully displays his ignorance. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's so great. Just really nice bit of design work there to kind of show you just how completely clueless this guy is. Also, mm -hmm. I feel like all the other sacrifices are beshirted and this one's not. You gotta take, you gotta take an opportunity to see some boobs. That's fine. I if guess. You can. <laughs> I just I think mean, they should all have no shirts. Well, it's Equal like, opportunity. Well, maybe whoever this priest is, he's like, oh, well, to do this properly. You gotta, uh, yeah, take off that. I mean, <laughs> let's face it, they're creeps. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I very much doubt any one of the priests ever once was like, you know what? I don't want any of my parishioners to suffer this fate. I'll do it. 
Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Like, as far as I'm concerned, right up there. The guy's a dick. Yeah. So we get some flashbacks showing some of the previous ceremonies and uh and he just keeps going on about it he's like but we have to and when the star alights and all this kind of stuff and then finally shut Brim, up. brim's he had says. enough yeah he's like shut up <laughs> just shut up you know what the irony is here is that like they could have so easily been like doing something that would have made something worse like because we've seen stones yeah. stone sacrifices before and whenever they've uh, like shown up they're usually related to sacrificing, to create blood uh, sacrifices to give Ogdruhem spirits a form again. Sure. You know, and like we've seen little bits of it over time. And like the probably the only reason why that isn't happening is just because it is related to the aliens who are directly opposed to that kind of stuff. Like they're <laughs> right, doing all right. the wrong things. And this is probably the only barrier that's stopping some bad shit from happening. Right, right. Man, that's nuts. So Broom, he goes on to explain to them, there is no gray man. Stop um, doing murders. Yes, it's a relic <laughs> from another world. Echoes of the death throes of an ancient alien civilization. And your legends must have sprung from local inhabitants experience what Simon and I just did. And the gray man, the creatures they saw, Grant follows. People start walking out here. Well, there are people who are like, hey, what about my loved one that yeah. you murdered? Yeah. You said that that was to be merciful to them but it seems like you didn't need to murder them after all and yeah. you murdered them for no fucking reason and now they're dead because yeah. of you yeah, I mean, for no reason like they're starting to put this shit together yeah they really are i mean imagine what it's like being these people they've grown up with this since children yeah you know like we've saw we saw how children were reacting to this sort of thing they've had people who were chosen there are people who specifically offer themselves up for this sort of thing yeah. like it's it's pretty messed up for them. And, and then there uh, are people who move out of the village because they're like, no, right. none of this, thank you. Yeah. 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 This one lady is like, if they were able to come back with their minds intact, what about my Davy? Or whatever, right? And so the priest is like, don't lose faith, but the people realize well, She's the got the fucking knife, so she's like, yeah. mm, shut yeah. up. Exactly. They're done listening to they're you. They're done with this. They start taking off their robes. We see one of them is the cop, right? That's the officer there. I'm We're well out of this. Yeah. So Grant and Broom speculate on how the stone got there. That's what we saw in the beginning when it came to the yeah. ancient people or mm -hmm. whatever. And meanwhile, the officer takes the priest to the station house. You are complicit. What are you doing? Yeah, you I should know. also take your all these fucking people are fucking complicit. This is ridiculous. But they were all following this guy. Yeah, you know but the, I mean? now the cop's like, oh, well, you know, well, yeah, I'm yeah. going to take you down to the stage. Hold on, let me take off my Even though my I literally robe. saw this for a long time <laughs> Maybe I should have just have believed blindly without yeah. asking any questions about killing people. I was like, I do like how when they come back and they see that they're sane, everybody, the whole thing just kind of falls apart. Yeah. yeah and yeah. everybody just is yeah. like, wait, what? And then they just go home. Well, and I love that yeah. the reaction of Broom was like, wait, none of y'all have ever done this? He's like, have y'all done this? Because... And I think halfway through, he's like, oh, it's a loop. Here's It's looping again. Like, they just come at yeah. it so logically. Yeah. yeah. They realize they're watching a show. It reminds me of... Uh, because he's Mulder, and Mulder is so down yeah, for anything yeah. to I mean, happen at all point, times. Had over, what is it, like, over two decades? <laughs> yeah. Probably, right. Probably three decades, actually, mm -hmm. of experience he's, with this stuff. Absolutely. Like, yeah. He's just like, look, Scully, this is where the aliens do this. And yeah. she's like, what? <laughs> Can you imagine what the other people would be doing? They would see this stuff, freak out, and, they would. and then they'd be babbling any kind of, like, trying to explain uh -huh. what they saw. Right. Or people are like, oh, well, they've gone nuts. They've gone mad, have so. to do a murder. Stabby, yeah. stabby. So um, in the aftermath, Grant and Broom wonder what happened to Lowell. 
Why did he go around the bend after seeing the vision? So Broom goes on to explain, he says um, that he's been attempting to reproduce their experiments and he realizes what appeared to be no random chance with Lowell seems to have been the opposite. So he was a psychic. He was sensitive, Mm. you know, so that's why that impacted him. And so they said maybe there was another village sensitive who this happened to several maybe that's sure. why they that's why they think mm, that they yeah. have to do this you know what i mean the burning yeah. touch or whatever but we see one of the things that lowell sketched was that rock yeah the standing stone right that's what's kind of revealed here at the end british old-timey x-files what did you think yeah oh, so great. i have to go back now yeah yeah i do i, I have to point we out something with uh, lowell yeah <laughs> so when he returns uh, and he's like, you know, attacking, this is before he jumps off the cliff, right? Uh-huh. So imagine the first time this happened. You get a psychic person who gets sure. this thing happen with a rock around some superstitious people. They kill this person. And then, you know, they start making a ceremony of it. And every now and then you'll have a person who is also sensitive, who has this happen right. to them. This person isn't just experiencing you know, what the aliens are showing them, though. They are experiencing the deaths of every single person who has been slaughtered on that stone. Um, And it's a reinforcing cycle. So over the years, that gets worse and worse and worse. That's what's happening to Lau. That's why he's, like, screaming about they're all around me and everything. He's experiencing the deaths of every single person since, like, 430 CE or whatever it was. All at once. That's why he's nuts. Oh, wow. I didn't even think about that. He is fighting for his life. That's why he's scratching at everyone around him, just because he thinks they're going to murder him. Right, right. Wow. That's horrible. Yeah, that's horrible. Yeah. yeah too bad for like, him. <laughs> over a thousand deaths at once. That's all for you. Ooh, not yeah. good. <laughs> he is not having a fun time. No. Yeah, but I, I, I love this. I, I like just a mission with these two. You know, they're always paired up with the other characters, Threadwood Gray or Sarah Jewel, but it was nice to just see them two yeah. go off and have their own mission. They've kind of been, um, we were introduced to them in the Witchfinder Gates of Heaven. Witch that was like in the... Yeah, that was the first. That was the first time we saw them, and then they were also in Silver Lantern Club. Where, where else have they popped up? I think that's it. They've just shown up right? in a couple of other Witchfinder stories and sure. Silver Lantern Club. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. and of course, Simon showed up in um, the Rasputin um, story. Oh, right. Voice uh, of the Dragon. Yes, Voice of the Dragon. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, awesome. Hey, I got, I, I reminded hey, Mark of something. How about that? Wow. Hey, I, got, I, yeah, I, got I was my, totally blanking on the name. I, I got a geek point for today. <laughs> um, what, what other thoughts do you have on this one, Mark? Uh, I think I covered the major ones now. Oh, but nice. Yeah, like uh, uh, this one was just like huge game changer as far as the uh, aliens are concerned. We look like no more about them now than we ever have nice yeah when i when i turned that page and i saw the aliens i was like oh yeah pretty good it's really cool yeah Yeah. i was next not expecting that connection with the series like this you know what i mean i don't know um old-timey 1800s things i was not thinking aliens were gonna pop up so that was super cool i had no idea that was gonna happen yeah and i like it when a twist is actually something awesome yeah well you know what that's another twist that i was going to talk about because there's several that we've discussed but the other twist is that lowell was actually a psychic right oh yeah Mm. you know what i mean and that that was why they couldn't put it together because he was the outlier of everybody else you know what i mean Mm. everybody else's experiences so anyway i thought that was kind of interesting too awesome i loved uh i love seeing some new artists i love having sebastian fermar on those covers and 
man, it's always incredibly insightful having you on, Mark, to share the discussion with, drawing all those lines, all those connections with the aliens and with Honor Grant and Simon Broom. So that's awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show again. And thank you for this picture yeah. of these pastries. When are we going to go get some pastries? <laughs> yeah, when are we going to go get some pastries? I want Mark? some. Money. I want to go get pastries. One, one of my favorite things to do is to go and get some pastries. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's a great way to start a Saturday. When yeah. are we going? Uh, when are you going to be over in Australia? <laughs> Let's go, John. Let's do it. That's where we're going. All right. Um, sleeping on your couch. Let us know what. <laughs> let us know what pastries you like. And yeah, now Aubrey's going to say all the things. All right, everybody. The British Paranoma Society, the BPS. Tell me what you thought. I really enjoyed this story. It was a lot of fun. You can send us a. Hey, you damn guys at Hellboy Book Club at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club and on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast. You can also find all of our resources on our Podbean website, our Facebook About section, and our link trees on Instagram and Twitter. And as always, a special thank you to Paul from Gotahan for the listener feedback theme. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Only Beast, for our music, our theme music. You're welcome. Uh, yes, thank you. Thank you, Mark, for joining us this week. It was so much fun to catch up with you, too, as well. Yeah. Awesome. Yes. You can find the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. And when you're there, open it up and give us a five star review every little bit helps do it if you're enjoying what you're hearing tell a friend have them join the book club also come and join us over at book club member comics we're having a lot of fun over there too book club yes. member comics come hang out with us over there and get online and tell mark we love you mark tell him that yes do that say we love you mark so next week we're going to be back over at book club member comics and we are going to be finishing up all-star supermans with issues 11 and 12 yeah uh, yes. So you guys, and then we'll be back here in about a ne- next month doing some more Hellboy. Yes. So you guys know what to do. Pull out them back issues, trades, digitals, floppies, omnis, rent them from the Hoopla app, and join us next week over at Book Club Member Comics and next month at Hellboy Book Club Podcast. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. I'm in communion with the Gray Man. <laughs> I'm a Ogdruhem, oh. disembodied spirit. <laughs> and I'm Aubrey Lovelace saying, come along, slow coach, bring the bags. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I love it, awesome.